Tip today with Fran Curry, IMRO Radio Award Gold Winner. In association with slatterysgarage.ie. Welcome along to Tip Today, 1800 938 007. That's our free phone number. It won't cost you anything to make a call. And Ali is looking after the programme today. And thanks to Ali indeed for looking after you so well on Tip Today uh, on Thursday and uh, Friday. Coming up on this morning's show, the difficulties with making contact with companies. We have, of course, as Pat told you, the Best of Tip Awards. The shortlists uh, will be revealed today. Should we be vetting Ukrainian refugees? Well, one of our callers thinks so, and he'll be speaking to us a little later on in the programme as well. Global Politics with uh, Tipperary's Thomas Conway. Uh, Weekend Sports with our own Paul Carroll. We have some tips for you as to how you can eat well on a budget. And we can dream about travel. Can't we? We'll be speaking to our travel expert, Fergal O'Keefe. So all of that and much, much more on the way. The newspaper headlines today, the Irish Examiner, first of all, and they're leading with alcohol sector providing school training and secondary school teachers are being offered training in how to lead classroom lessons about alcohol by drink aware and organisations, you know, that's funded by the alcohol industry, distilleries and the breweries as well. And also on the front of the examiner today, the Minister of State for Mental Health and Older People, Mary Butler, is recovering after having surgery for skin cancer. And uh, she said she had a procedure in June under local anaesthetic to remove cancer from the bridge of her nose, but it wasn't successful. And uh, happily, she's recovering uh, at her Waterford home after a second surgery last uh, Thursday. Now, we've had her issues with the Minister on this programme, but we wish her the very, very best of health indeed. Um, the Irish Times, extensive security planned for Regency Hotel trial and uh, a large security operation is expected to take place around the criminal courts of justice in advance of uh, trial proceedings surrounding that 2016 Regency Hotel shooting. Also uh, on the Times today, the British uh, Minister of State for Northern Ireland, uh, Steve Baker, he's apologised, this is a very interesting one, because he's apologised for failing to understand the Irish government's concerns uh, during Brexit negotiations in comments that have been welcomed by coalition uh, figures indeed. And it's a bit of a turnaround in some ways, but I suppose it's to calm down and improve uh, Anglo-Irish relations. Um, The Irish Independent Energy Crisis adds 60,000 to the price of best uh, insulated homes. The energy crisis has started to affect house prices with home buyers now willing to pay up to 60,000 extra for energy efficient homes rated B or higher. It has emerged. And on the Daily Mail, uh, first time buyers to get block uh, levy Relief and the Taoiseach has indicated uh, that first time buyers could avoid a new levy on concrete blocks introduced to, to pay for the MICA redress. And the government announced that uh, 10% uh, levy on the cost of concrete blocks in last week's budget. It was probably the most controversial part of the budget. Uh, builders saying, of course, that uh, the levy will add as much as 4,000 to the cost of a, a three bed semi. And uh, the Department of uh, Finance 
um, their estimates much lower, about 1600 or so, but either way, anyway, significant extra cost for for home builders. But Michal Martin yesterday said first-time buyers could be exempt from the charge. Now, you may well ask how that could happen. He doesn't know. We don't know, but they'll look at it in time. Anyway, let's look at what's making headlines today. Have you got a comment on any of that? 083 311 You can email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Now, over the past 10 years or so, we've seen an exponential uh, rise in chat box usage and automation by companies for customer service and other use cases as well. Now, we also have seen the rise of virtual assistants like Amazon's Alexa, Apple's Siri, I suppose, and the countless Facebook Messenger bots as well. However, they can cause challenges and they can lead to anger and frustration among customers. Well, one of our listeners is an angry and frustrated customer. That's Tony, and he joins me now. Tony, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. Really good to talk to you today, Tony. Will you tell me your experience? You lost your SIM, I think, was that it? I have a dual SIM phone, and of course, they're the micro SIMs, so they're very small, and I was away. And I bought a SIM in the country I was in to use. And unfortunately, I lost my other one. Mm -hmm. So I went through the process online. I sent the email. And there was when I got back, there was Julia SIM waiting for me, which is good service. Can't complain at all. And then the problem started when I tried to um, activate it. So I activated it using the phone, which didn't work. So I sent... Um, by, uh, it, it turned out that I probably should have used the laptop to, to activate the, account, the new SIM. But anyway, hmm. I decided to go through the, the throes of contacting them via their... Uh, so I had to log in and pro- found, eventually found how to contact them. And I, I filled out my name, my date of birth, my address, my phone number, what the problem was, and sent it off. And you get back a little message. Thank you for contacting us. We will be back to you within 24 hours. That was on last Tuesday. Nobody got back to me, so I sent another one. Thursday, nobody got back to me, so I sent another email. And also got onto their Facebook. And um, can I say which which company it was? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Yes. It's GOMO. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, I, at this stage, I, I was pretty frustrated. And uh, I eventually got a text message. I eventually got a text message from from the um, the number I had given them and everything. And they um, they said to me, you know, that yes, there is a problem, and went through it. But they they started looking for my name, my address, my date of birth. I said I sent this to you three times, but we can't do anything unless you give it to us again. Now. They know my account, they know my number, they know my name, they ring the number that they have, or they text the number that they have, mm-hmm. it's me that replies to it. Uh, don't forget that all of during this, you're not talking to a person. Half the time you're talking to a machine, it's an automatic response. And um, the, the ultimate thing was, I did eventually get it sorted, but the hassle trying to talk to somebody and the automatic responses, it's, to call it customer service is a total oxymoron. And, and it's just important to point out, and I know you don't want to give exact detail of this, but the way it, it, it's just because of personal friendship you got it sorted. It wasn't through anything that the company did to help you, really. That would be correct. Yes. 
And do you know, when you said to me, go, Mo, I just immediately just threw it up on the screen in front of me here. And could I point out, proud winner of Switcher's Award for Best Sim Only in 2022 and all sorts of other accolades as well for uh, the quality of this company. I, I, I noticed that. I think there, they, they list three different awards, but it, it's like every pub seems to be an award-winning list. <laughs> I, yes. I often wonder, are these self-appointed awards? Yeah. Well, I know in, yeah. in some countries you see five-star hotels and you wonder, but I think they award it themselves. Yeah, uh, I, I'm not I, that's the case with Como. I'm sure they did win something. They're hardly going to say it's a reputable company. But certainly, depending on how reputable it is, their customer service is abysmal. Right. And you found it very difficult to even discover how you make contact with them and in what fashion you make contact exactly. with them. Exactly. There is a thing, that, there is a thing you know, to contact us, fill in, or use live chat. Now, or use our chat, it says. It doesn't say live chat, it says use our chat. But it doesn't tell you where. The word chat doesn't highlight. Apparently, I, I've since found out by talking to people that there's only chat if there's somebody available to, to, uh, to, use, to work it from their end. And, you know, the, you find, you go onto the site, and if you have it open, I, I presume you had when you saw that, yeah. can you see contact us and how you get into it? It's hidden down the very, very bottom. So the impression you get is that they don't really want to deal with customers. Well, the question is, or the, certainly it seems to be a little bit, we're a bit of a necessary nuisance, I suppose, would be a word that we could use. Yeah. I can fully understand companies that are busy and not wanting people ringing up for a chat. I, I went through that in my job where we used to have lonely people ring us. Yes. All hours of the day and night. And I fully understand why companies don't want that. But it does seem to be a feature that more and more you are getting automated responses and, um, you know, wait a minute and I'll see if I can help you with your query. And it's obviously, I don't know the technology, it's obviously very good technology, and there's obviously some key words that you've used in your problem, and they come back maybe suggesting two or three other things. But it, it, it is basically, it seems to be to keep you away from uh, resolving the problem quickly. And the last thing, I suppose it's because people aren't available and it's paying people to do it, the last thing that they let you do is talk to somebody, and especially with, with a lot of companies, banks, things like that, the last thing you will do is get through to actually speak to somebody. And is it fair to say, Tony, that you didn't get to speak to somebody officially? No. I, no. Officially, I didn't get to speak to anybody. No. Okay. It was either online or a text. Right. And just for people out there who might be wondering about chat boxes and chatter boxes and all of that, basically what it is, is it's an online chat conversation uh, sort of a text up speak um, to make contact with a company. That's what it is. It's to avoid any one-to-one uh, correspondence or chat. Yeah, and it, it is obviously the way we're, we're seeing it, but certainly I think um, looking at some of the comments on Facebook in relation to, to that company, the, the particular company I'm talking about, there were some very irate customers yes. when it came to, to, um, to customer service. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting, isn't it? And it, it, I, I mean, you, you also told me, and did I hear you right when you said that the, there's only help available when, when somebody is at the desk there? This is, my, this is my understanding. They don't call it... So it's not 24-7, Tony? Apparently not. I, I, I can't c- confirm or deny that, but apparently not. But apparently, the, they don't call it live chat. They call it chat to us. But you go in and you... Tell them exactly, you, you, you break the ice with those things, I'm having a problem, X, Y, Z, and 
you get the reply back. There is uh, something, and I'm just trying to think what it was, but uh, somebody will be with you very shortly. And, you know, after 15 minutes, there's still no reply. So I just typed back, hello, still nothing. I went away and did something, came back nearly three quarters of an hour late, and still no reply to it. From what I can gather, that that, um, and, and for making a little inquiry, I believe that that is only attended when there's somebody available to do it. They don't know. Perhaps the company would be would come out of the woodwork and actually tell us how how they can how we can contact them, oh. how they can improve their service, maybe. Well, we'll do our best to make uh, contact with the company and find out a little bit more uh, about that. Do you find, in general, Tony, that this is an issue? Um, well, I would have to say, at the other end of the spectrum, I had a, I had an angle grinder that I bought from Needle, and it just. Well, it was the, the the cordless one, and it went pop the other day. So I contacted them with my receipt, the whole lot, and it was the total reverse. I got an answer back almost immediately, an email back almost immediately to tell me what to do. Uh, I had to print off a label and phone a number to arrange for it to be collected. That is the ultimate. I have no problem with, with not being actually able to speak to somebody. Yes. Being able to communicate with somebody is the key. Be able to communicate your problem and get it sorted. I have no problem how you do it. You know, we, we're living in an age of technology. We're living in an age where a lot of companies have cut down to the minimum that you don't have people available all day on a phone to, to listen to somebody's problems and, and cry with them on the phone, if you want to use the word. But we need to be able to, to deal with it efficiently. And I would have to say that Lidl certainly have that to a T, and I couldn't fault their service. All right. Well, Tony, it was good to talk to you today. We'll see what we get back from GOMO. And thanks very much indeed for, for coming on with me. Thank you. Good morning to you. That's Tony. How do you feel about that? What's your experience been? 083 Now, there was a very scary experience for one lady in Clanmel over the weekend. And um, Aoife is uh, online with me to tell me about that. Aoife, good morning to you. Good morning, how are you? I'm very well indeed, and thank you for coming on with us uh, today. Okay. I spotted uh, this on social media over the weekend. Eva, will you tell the listeners what, what happened? Um, well, basically, I was in the poppy field yesterday, and um, my car, just it just started acting strange. It was just lights were flashing, and things were happening, so I pulled in, um, and the space that I was on was like kind of at a slant. So I thought the dam brake was engaged, because it's electric handbrake, but the light was actually flashing orange, so I didn't realise that it wasn't actually engaged, mm. and that it was saying that the handbrake was failing. But I only had the car two days, so I didn't actually realise that's what it meant. So I said, look, my car is obviously something wrong with it. I'm going to ring my partner. I'm going to get the kids out of the back and he'll come in and we have a second car. So I was like, he can just come in with the second car and we'll start this later. Mm. So as I got out of the car, it was fine. It didn't move. I was trying to open the boot, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't open. So I went around to the, the rear passenger where my, my middle child is and I said I'd start taking her out because she was getting upset. And as I started to open her car seat, the car started rolling. Oh, God. Down on the slant towards the wall. Um, but there was nothing I could do. I was trying to run around, trying to trying to get, you know, around to, to the driver's side to stop it. Um, but as I got to the driver's side, this man, I don't know where he came from or where he even was. He just must have heard me. Was already in it, thank God, and had stopped it. Oh, Lord. Uh, and yeah, where, where were you with your child at that point? Was your child still in the car? She was still in the car. All of them were still in the car. Oh, she Lord. managed to get the, the, the car seat open. Oh my God! Yeah, and he came from nowhere, jumped into the car. Yeah, he actually he just I don't know how he managed to stop it because he couldn't even get his feet into the car because it was still moving. So I think he just put his hand on the brake and managed to to get the handbrake engaged at the same time. So it was fair play to him. 
Fair play to him, indeed. Yeah. yeah. And it was heading for a wall at that point, was it? Yeah, because where, where I was parked was kind of around the back of the poppy fields um, where you park by Woody's. There's kind of a couple of spaces. I said I'd put it in out of the way in case I couldn't move it. And they're kind of um, like, there's a wall in front of them. Um, so I said I'd put it in there kind of out of the way in case, you know, it was broken down and I needed to get it out of there later. So I thought that would be the best place to leave it, but maybe not in the future. Yeah, but, you know, it's grand to look back on these things, but, I mean, you do, would you, particularly if you have a car full of children. You had three children in the in the car, you feel, was it? I did, I did, yeah. yeah. My God almighty. And tell me about this man. Did you get to talk to him afterwards? Or? Not at all. I was so panicked. I was just like, thanks so much. Um, and he just he just left, and I kind of didn't think about it for a minute. And then afterwards, I was like, oh, my God, you know, that's... I might not. I don't think I would have made it in time. Definitely not um, to get into the car and try and stop it at the same time. You know. Yes, and to know what to do in in, in a split exactly, second yeah. and and to the like. Well, if he if he's around and if he's listening, I'm sure you'd like to to say hello to him or say thank you to him. Absolutely, it was great. Quick thinking of him, and of course, three small babies in the back of the car as well, and the car seemed to actually open. So who knows? You know. Yeah, and what absolutely. could have happened if he didn't? If he didn't step in, so very grateful that that he was around. Indeed, wasn't it fantastic altogether? Well, um, uh, and it was in poppy fields. And what time was it in poppy fields? It was about um, just after two, maybe between two and three, I think. Okay. Well, if the man is listening, he might like to give us a call. 1800 938 007. Or if anybody knows uh, about this man, they might like to uh, let us know. Um, These um, uh, automated handbrakes like that, I think they're a curse of a thing, to be honest with you, Eva. It's the first time I've actually ever had one. I've always kind of had a normal, you know, handbrake that you put up. So I didn't realise that, you know, that different colours are different. Because it it was orange. And I was like, "Mm, yeah, maybe so it is engaged. But no. (laughs) Um, It's just a button you click, um, and it it should lock the handbrake. But you know, if it if it doesn't, I right. suppose there's, there's nothing you can do. Yeah, because I thought when you turn off the key that it automatically sort of locks. That's what I thought had happened because I had turned off the key and I was sitting in the car for a couple of minutes and it didn't move. So I said it must be engaged, even when it's orange because the car's not moving. It was a neutral, and you know, but and even when I got out for a few minutes, it didn't move. So I said, oh, it must. You know, maybe it's just one of those things on the dash because the car is broken down. Um, but I, I quickly realised that no, it was it wasn't engaged, even though the car was off. And well, I'm glad you're all safe, and uh, indeed, congratulations to that gentleman, whoever he might be, who uh, helped you out. Eva, thanks for your time this morning. And look after yourself. Uh, thanks, Eva. Bye bye, Janelle. That's Eva with her story of poppy fields, um, which is in Clonmel, of course. It's a shopping area there in Clonmel, beside the Talbot Hotel. And uh, if that gentleman is listening, uh, we'd love to say thank you to him on air, 1800-938-007. Now, all day today, we're revealing the Best of Tip Awards short lists. And voting will begin this evening from 6 o'clock. Each winner will receive a special commissioned um, a Best of Tip Award to display at their premises. And the awards night will take place at the lovely Anna Hotel Thurlis on Tuesday, the 25th of October. Now, this is in association, of course, with our great friends at the local Enterprise Office in Tipperary. And they support business development right around the Premier County. And you can visit uh, localenterprise.ie forward slash Tipperary. Now, we're um, adrift feeding you the shortlist. Uh, right throughout the day. And uh, in this hour, we're telling you about the shortlist for breakfast roll and uh, the businesses involved there. Cleary's Daybreak in Nina, 
Mars Landis, Cashel Road, Clan Mel, Mulrooney's Gala in Templemore, the Tower Bakery in Thurles, and the Woodview Service Station in Care. So that's for breakfast roll. As I say, from six o'clock today, you'll be able to vote uh, on the shortlists. And also in this hour, I can tell you about the shortlist of butcher shops. And that's Brendan Healy, Artisan Butchers in Bansha, Martin O'Dwyer, Family Butcher in Cashel, Paddy O'Dwyer, Quality Meats in Cashel, Paul Tobin, Butchers in Clonmel, and Premier Meats in Thurless. And we'll have more on those shortlists for you throughout the programme, indeed throughout the day here on Tip FM. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie The Imro Radio Award winning Tip Today. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Test drive the all new Peugeot 2008 compact SUV at Slattery's Garage, puck on. Choose from petrol, diesel or fully electric. Slattery'sGarage.ie Welcome back to uh, Tip Today. Following on from our conversation with uh, Tony, a listener says, I'm trying to contact um, Air Electricity for the past uh, week. I just can't get an answer. They say they will ring back, but still no contact. And Teresa was on to say, Fran, it's an ongoing problem. Can't get anybody to answer phones. I was 25 minutes on hold to my phone provider on Saturday trying to report uh, no internet. I hung up at that stage, says uh, Teresa on 083-311-3311. Now, we had lots of reaction to our budget 2023 discussion on Friday. And Noel was in touch to share his views on social welfare. He joins me now. Noel, good morning to you. Good morning, Frank. Thank you very much to your listeners for having me. You're very well welcome indeed, Noel. Tell, tell me your opinion on the social well, welfare aspect of the budget. First, first of all, I have one particular issue uh, with a friend of mine that's on illness benefit due to mental health issues mm. and uh, he's not entitled to feud allowance and uh, but a person that's on job seekers will get feud allowance to heat the house like he's trying to heat his house now all winter and he, he's not in, he's told he's not entitled to it because he's on illness benefit so he has to live off 208 or 210 euros a week and he's not able to heat his house I find that incredible. And even after the budget, is that still the case, No, That's still the case at the moment. Like, I don't think we're going to be getting any of that money until January. Anyway, so, say, for instance, the €12 rise. Mm. I don't think that's going to kick in until after January. What what do you make of it all in general? Um, Like, when it came to the government making a decision during COVID about what people would need to live on, the POP payment was €350, for example. Yeah. but of course, uh, social welfare is nothing near that. No, no, definitely. Like I, in my opinion, I think everybody that's on social welfare at the moment, right, and our job seekers should be on, say, three hundred euros a week, right. But give them a chance then to go and look for a job, and if they don't get a job, cut, cut it down. At least, at least the government is helping them out to a certain extent. That's my opinion of it anyway. But like after that, then I, 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 I don't know what that, friend. But like, they, like you were saying there, that, that the three hundred and fifty euros everyone was getting it mm. while they were on the well, P, well, some the PUP were payment. It. Mm, yeah. Okay. Now every, they had no objections given it to them that time. Mm. Like, what's wrong with it now? Given the three hundred and fifty euros now, 
and then cut it down bit by bit. That if a person doesn't well, look ba- for a job based on their work. enthusiasm to get, get work, is that what you mean? Yes, based on their enthusiasm. They have to be shown that they are looking for work. Right, and if if they don't appear to be doing that, you're saying that it should be incrementally cut down or something. Cut down, bit by bit by bit. And before they ever get any any sort of money from the social welfare, they have to show to them that they are looking for work. Right. That's my... That's my and then I learned that you were on the, there was a caller there um, calling there this morning to, about phone calls. It's happened. It's happening everywhere. I I was on forty five minutes on the phone last week to social welfare, yeah. and I cannot get through to them. Forty five minutes waiting, and you didn't get through even after no, forty five minutes. I didn't even get through to the forty five minutes. It's, I I think it's an ongoing issue with all government bodies or um, the energy companies at this particular moment. Mm-hmm. And did you try like the the chatbot type thing or the yeah. online queries and all of that? You're talking to a robot. Right. That's my opinion. You're talking but, to a robot. All but time did you get any answers back no, in that? Way? No. 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 Just telling me that. Oh, please ring back between Monday and Friday, nine to five. That's it. And we repeat itself all the time. Every time I ask a question, could I speak to a um, a, call, a call service? Please ring back between nine and five. Nine and five. That's all I got from it. Yeah, and you know, I mean, that seems to be the way things are going for companies in general. Um, but, but in, in, in general, you, that's that's what you're going to be dealing with now from now on is nothing but computers. You're talking to a computer when you go into a bank. You're talking to a computer. Yeah. When you're large money, you're talking to a computer. You, there's no personal touch anymore. That's what the government has done to people. And like we, and I have said it loads of times to people, we have bailed them out. We bailed out the banks. Hmm. And this is what they're doing to us now, that they have, um, they have, say, put in computers where you go up and lodge your money. You're talking to a computer, you're not talking to anyone particular. But is some of this not our own fault, Noel, in that we're all gone now that we want to, you know, we want to tap our cards, we're, we're not dealing in cash anymore ourselves, we're doing all of this kind of thing. Are we not playing into this? Uh, we are, but, like, we are to, to a point, but the technology isn't there, Fred. Right. The technology, the internet is not strong enough to have all this technology. The broadband and all of the that. The broadband yeah. is not strong enough. Like I say, nine times out of the ten, you I bet you have got calls in, friend, about your uh, the broadband is down in different oh, areas. Oh, sure, look, I could write a book on it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, like, like the broadband is not strong enough. All right, Noel. Well, you make your point very well, and thanks very much, Nee, for coming on with us today. Thank you. Good morning to you. That's uh, Noel there speaking to us, 1800 938 Now, it seems that the Tornishta has ruled out abandoning the government's new concrete uh, block levy, and uh, Leo Varadkar has said on this programme as well, in fact, that uh, the multi-million euro cost of the uh, Mika problem uh, has to be recouped in some way in that the taxpayers should not have to cover all of the costs. Now, a levy on concrete blocks, pouring concrete and certain other products uh, was announced in the budget. And as I said earlier on, it seemed to be the most controversial aspect of uh, the budget indeed. Well, Liam was in touch with us with some concerns on this and he joins me now. Good morning to you, Liam. Good morning, Brian. And good to talk to you today. What are your concerns about this, Liam? Well, the T-shirt actually, his actually wording was is the 10% tax or levy, whatever you like to call it, will in part, and that's in commas, go towards the Micah scandal. He didn't actually say it would pay for it. Hmm. And my concern well, it, is, it could cost a billion, 
you know. Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. But, I mean, if you put 10% on concrete, it could uh, generate many billions. We don't actually know. I mean, um, the question has to be asked is, who's actually responsible for the marketing, first of all? Well, I don't think it's the people in Tipperary that wants to build a shed to put a few cattle in, or I don't think it's people that want to build a house mm. down in Tipperary that's responsible. I think the responsibility should be examined first. What caused the marketing had that address? And the people responsible for that are the people that get planning permission for the quarries and the pits to be open in the first place. And these were along Donegal, was common and Mayo, if you remember right. Aye, in, and, indeed, but it, just important to point out, Liam, that Leo Radker says that no quarry or two quarries that are going to um, come up with that kind of money. So he said that we need to find another way to recoup some of the costs. Oh, my my, my apologies. I, I didn't mean the quarries. I mm. meant the people that give the actual licence. The licence are issued by the county council. Okay. And they and they have to test the quarries and to get a licence. Uh, you, you would have no change out of 50,000 even to approach to apply for a licence. Uh, so they have to test it and it has to pass by certain standards. It, it, it was incompetent in these county councils, I don't know which of them I thought, or all of them mm. was, that uh, allowed this thing to go through to actual building a house. And I mean, we know of these county councils because our national broad, uh, television actually brought it to our attention that one of these counties actually built a bridge for 700 and something thousand that never existed. So there is incompetence there. So I first of all say that should be addressed. And as far as the 10% levy, well... The, but the, the e- teacher... You see, the, the trouble about it and the sad point and the annoying and frustrating point, Liam, is even if you traced it all back and found culpability somewhere along the way, the taxpayer inevitably will pick up the tab on this anyway, Liam. That's exactly true, and that's where we're wrong, because yeah. we don't have a leader. We have a per- person that we call the teacher, but he's not actually a leader. He's the very person that two weeks ago gave $50 million to an African state, just for the sake of giving $50 million in the, in the context that it's the richest nation in the world in relation to minerals and gas and gold. But our, our teacher, and you know, I didn't know to use his name, uh, our teacher went along just by the whim, and nobody knows about it. He gave $50 million just like that to an African state, and the week after he gave 9 um, um, million to a Palestine state. Now the Palestine state. Was it not Simon right, Coveney though that was? Well, I, I, that, I look, it's yeah. it, 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 the teacher has to sign off on this. It doesn't yeah. matter who gives it. It's a bit like uh, your man on the housing, whatever his name is, the housing minister. I North I didn't McGrath, mention his name. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, and yeah, hmm. uh, well, I thought it was terrible. But anyway, um, the, the, the housing uh, minister, he he just gone on about building houses, building houses. But our t- teacher comes out and says he's putting 10% onto the building of houses. They actually have, have no real thought in any of this, to be honest with you, Fran. We're looking at this in the wrong way. I come from a farmer's perspective, right? A bored and rare farmer can't help it. But if a farmer wants to build a shed to go along and house cattle, he has to pay 10% extra on concrete just for the sake of paying it. We have no accountability of where that 10% extra, and use the word extra because there's already a tax on spend. Now, back in 2015, the same government, our same government partners, went along and took the quota off of milk cows, right? So you could milk all the cows like. Mm. He can even give grants to farmers, hundreds of thousands. And farmers went into debt for five million to build these fantastic cars to supply it. Now they're telling us that we have to reduce it by 25%. Mm. Well, actually, Fran, I'll be honest with you, they've got it all, I have to explain wrong way. I was going to say another word, but mm. they haven't got it all wrong. We're doing this wrong. We need to embrace the farmer, friend. We need to actually embrace him. He has the secret of all this. It's not the data centers that are all these things that are going to save this, even though they're the ones that are using the energy. 
But if the farmer to convey this, we in this country had a great beef uh, uh, industry, or beef industry, a bigger part, mm. with a great beef industry, and that was closed down. If we went along this at the moment and start building anaerobic digesters, be it at land, be it the sponsor, or be it the bank, the sponsor, or who, they still need to build them on farmland. And if they build them on farmland, we can we can start two problems. One of the biggest problems of any of the towns or cities in this country, and you know this, you know this well, including Clonmel. The biggest problem with all these towns is their sewage. They can't get rid of it. There's no proper system. They're aerobic digested, or I mean, they erase it. But that's all they do. And then they let open the gates and head down the rivers and the seaside. If we build anaerobic digesters, we have the potential to start the sewage problem. We have the problem to go bring the farmer online, to supply the anaerobic digesters, produce gas and produce our own electricity. But haven't they come around now to advocating for aerobic digestion? I know that there was uh, people against it initially, but is that not the case now? Uh, many flying applications have you seen that are still only in the process and can't get the clear head. I was talking to a man yesterday and he has applied there in North Tipperary over and over again and it's in relation to the pig industry and he wants mm. to build an aerobic digester to go along and use up all this uh, pig story uh, and others, like not just pig story, it's cow story, it's sewage, you need beet uh, to grow it and, and the sucker farmer is giving out that he hasn't got uh, enough money out of, of sucker farming. Well then reduce the sucker farmer now we're going to get phone calls. Reduce the, the supply farmer and let him grow bees. Let, let's grow corn. We import mm. corn from Russia, France, and it's it's what, what is Russia? It's a, it's a human killing uh, machine, and we import gas. We have no problem when we, we import corn from there. Why aren't we growing our own? Fifty years ago, France. But I, I know farmer Liam, but was I not told that we couldn't grow it to the quality necessary here? Farmer, our friend, I love the language. It's a bit like politics. Tell the people the word and they'll believe it. Right. My father had a great... But was that not what we were being told, Liam? No, no, for Fran. Fran, you're told by experts. There's no such thing as experts. Uh, when when uh, Obama was going forward in 2008, uh, the gas company in America paid $25 million to uh, to a uh, university to come up with an idea and, and an argument that oil was polluting the earth. And they did. And Obama won it. Two years later, he had to turn around and do a U-turn on and found out that, 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 that and then the expert says that so gas, oil and etc. that was destroying the earth. Well, sure, you'll just say the, at the moment, who's destroying the earth at the moment? Allegedly, it's the farmers destroying the earth and the oil companies with their, with their cars. Well, if you go along and put lithium cars all over the, the, the world, including Ireland, where do you get the lithium from? The lithium will become the new gold, and then that will come extinct. What do you resort to? It's a bit like the minister, what's his name, mm. uh, the Green Party. His name, the Green Party. He closed down the, 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 the what's called the turf thing in yes. this, this yeah. country. And we import it. We import peat all the time, yeah. We yeah. import from Germany, another EU state. So uh, uh, is Germany not entitled to have, you know, green air and like that? And reading through, look, look at the bigger picture. Mm. We have war going on on one side of Europe, and we have America that cares absolutely nothing about CO2 with big cars and big guys. We are actually looking at it wrong. Sit down, Minister. Sit down, mm. TD. Sit down. Listen, if you well, bring in, on a in, in fairness to Biden, though, he's trying to overturn what, what Trump did where climate change action is concerned. So you admit there was a mistake made by the experts of President Trump. But that's that's not new at all. I mean, we all know that. Loads of people make mistakes. Well, it's just that Trump Trump has his own ideas about climate change. I mean, that's what he tried to impose on... And so, has the, and, and so has the EU. Yeah. The EU now at the moment wants to well, re-wet farmland in this country. They want to re-wet farmland. Yes. 
listen to me, Fran, they want to re-wet farmland. We have the potential to go along and produce our own food and our own electricity, our part of our own electricity and gas. And the Green Party and the EU want to re-wet the land in this country. Have yep. we got any comments that we really actually need to go along and look at the EU? Right, but you see, we, I, are, I, I, we are the EU. We are part of the EU, Liam. And that, that's... Doesn't, that, that doesn't make it right. Britain was part of the EU for years as well and discovered that maybe, listen, we're being dictated to... Ah, uh, well, no. Well, no, that's not now, a great argument when you look at where they are right now. Oh, no, no, I appreciate that. I appreciate it. I didn't... I don't mean in that context. I mean in the context that they question the fact that they're being dictated too much. Is the common sense gone into you? That's what I'm arguing. I'm not arguing. And do you think it is, Liam? Well, I, I, I genuinely believe if you go along and, and stop pea production in Ireland and you import regrets from Germany, which is part of the EU, well, it, uh, you know what I mean? It doesn't take a very clever person to realise somebody is wrong. And I find that the EU give more of their time. It's a bit like county council in this country, fan. You know this better than I do. It's a bit like county council. They sit around all day and come up with ideas. How can we tax the people? How can we screw the people? That's exactly it. The EU is, is known for that. To go along and brought in this stage five in the, in the tractor engine and the car engine mm. and across the water to have Russia and they don't even know what stage four is. I've over in America and they don't even know what stage four A is. I mean, we're, we're the piggy in the middle, but I question ourselves, have we gone too far? Are we just doing all this for a small little... But you see, but, but, but what we're hearing is that we haven't gone even near far enough. Oh, no, 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 friend. We've, we've listened to the experts that we haven't gone far enough. But so the see, experts, yes. to the experts in Russia... No, 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 I'm fully with you. I'm just mm. questioning the fact that where's the experts in Latin Russia? Where's the experts in Latin Africa? I know, where's and you're the saying the experts have been wrong and proved wrong over the years as well. But, but Oh, my God, oh, a thousand yeah. times over. Yeah. We had a minister one time, Michal Kennedy, back in 1986 that banned steroids in cattle. And a couple of weeks later, they imported beef uh, from Brazil that was highly unpoliced. Uh, uh, injected with uh, steroids. And we still eat this today. If you go down to the shop this morning, friend, you don't know whether you're getting beef from... If you ask the person in the shop where, where, where's it from, they'll say, where do you want it from? Well, nowadays, that we'll just look at the cost, you see, because the way things are going. And I suppose that's that's the bottom line, Liam. So, so, so the bottom line is cost. It's not to do with CO2. So if we can import barley or, and wheat from Russia at a half the price that the Irish farmer has to produce it. We're not asking ourselves why is it costing the Irish farmer so much to produce the barley. And this argument about we can't grow it, uh, Fran, the excuse that came in 2015 when the the, the quota for the cows mm. went because there was more money, there was more money in, in milking yes, cows. Yes, and, and yeah. the reason there was more money is because the, the, the big suppliers went along and went over to Russia and went over to Ukraine and don't take me up wrong now, I'm not coming down on Ukraine, I'm coming down on the idea that we're importing barley that actually cut the price that we could produce in this country. Liam, I must leave well, it there, well, but as, as always, most interesting to, uh, to to hear from you today. Thanks for your time, Liam. Thank you, Frank. Thank, Thank you, Jeremy. Uh, that's uh, Liam. How do you feel about that? Um, so many aspects to that conversation, but how do you feel about them? Oh uh, eight three three double one double three double one. The Imro Radio Award-winning Tip Today. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Test drive the all-new Peugeot 2008 compact SUV at Slattery's Garage, puck on. Choose from petrol, diesel or fully electric. Slattery'sGarage.ie Escape. If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. Now, glad to be joined by one of our regular contributors, Paul McCarthy. Good morning to you, Paul. 
Morning, Brian. Great to talk to you today, Paul. You have some thoughts on uh, the budget, particularly, I suppose, where energy is concerned, Paul. <coughs> yeah, I, I do, Brian. Um, <coughs> not so much the budget. We get budgets um, every year, and they come and go, and for most people... They are like a passing cloud, you know. Here it comes, there it goes, and uh, it's of no consequence to them. But the, the the point I suppose I'd like to see more clearly uh, articulated in budgets is <clears throat> where the budget encourages and uh, or, or shows the voter that there's some planning involved. That it's not every budget seems to be. Reactive. In other words, something bad happens, the government get together, sit down around the table, say, how can we fix this recent problem? Nobody seems to be going around saying, well, actually, there's a few problems coming down the line, and what are we going to do about them? <clears throat> and I'll give you an example. And it's what I call um, contingency planning or, or getting a plan B. Most people have a plan B. You know, if your car won't start, mm. I'll pull the bicycle out and go yeah. on the bicycle. Yeah. That, that works for most people. What, if you look at the tax take in the, the government um, re, re, receives each year, a large amount of money, a huge amount of money, comes from foreign uh, multinationals. There are uh, some very well-known household names working in Ireland, employing lots of people, <clears throat> and the tax take is enormous. Most of them are American. This is the corporate taxation we keep hearing about. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Fran, do you think anybody, any politician, knows what they would do if those boys decided to go home? Or if they caught a serious cold? They, we, we probably don't know. Now, the only attempt this time round was this rainy day fund, I suppose, Paul. Yeah, but the, the rainy day fund, if you like, <clears throat> the very word rainy day fund would give you an idea that, how oh, well, they have that cup, mm. or they know about it. But it's very short on detail, isn't it? If we don't know how much, we don't know, is it ring fame? We don't know if something else slip, will that, will that uh, be allowed in to uh, get us over the, the problem? Plan B, because of the political system we operate, there is no chance that we will ever have decent Plan B planning uh, in Ireland or, or in, any, in any democracy. It, it, it would never happen. And the, the oh. Russian gas is the perfect example of that, I suppose. Isn't well, it? yeah, of course. Of course. And, you know, you have Russian gas and everybody goes into a flat bin and where are we going to get the gas from and how are we going to heat our home? And nobody, nobody wants to say the hard thing. Nobody, no political class wants to say the hard thing. They will all tell the truth to serve the hour. Mm. All of them. All of them. So... Nobody's one. Nobody's going to say, "Well, look, um, you're going to have to put more clothes on. You're going to have to do this. You're going to have to do that." All things which people are unaccustomed to, but which their grandparents and parents probably are not unaccustomed to, to doing. We we have a situation where 
we, we slightly expect everybody, um, we, we slightly expect those people to do, to get us out of a hole. We're not prepared to get out of the hole ourselves. That That's a very controversial thing to say in that people, I suppose, will be screaming at the radio now and saying, how dare he say that because we're here barely managing on a, a meagre sum of money. Well, friend, it's about expectation and it's about entitlement. I don't care if it's controversial, if it's true. Mm. If you can back up what you say with with facts and data, yeah, all right, people might not want to hear it, but what else are you going to do? So, you know, when politicians step out and say, well, I'm afraid we had no hand or part in the Russians invading the Ukraine. We had no hand or part in the Russian uh, excesses, if you like. Um, we're going to uh, place sanctions on that country. We won't be buying their gas. And so you will be asked to take steps to keep yourself warm this winter, look after your elderly neighbours, and we'll get through it. Nobody's going to say that because it doesn't win you any votes. They're all going to say, or wring their hands and say, we'll give you some money to help you through it. Well, giving people money isn't the answer, Brad. It's not the answer, because this is long-term. This is pe- Politicians will say, oh, this is only for a year or two. Where's, where's the gas going to come from? Where are, the, where are the other energy sources going to come from? I mean, if we, we have the best, probably in the world, resources for renewable energy. And what do we do with it? We sit on our hands, or if we've got gas in the Kinsale or, or Corrib gas fields, we let some foreign multinational take the cream, take the lot. And it, yeah. it, and even it, with it, the development of wind energy over the years, again, we sat on our hands where that is concerned, and that's why we are where we are today. Yeah, and but, but, but that's because we haven't, nobody sat down and said, what happens if what, nobody in government said, what are our vulnerabilities? One, one, you wouldn't need to be a genius to say, well, one is our energy reserves, our energy source. What, are we, what will we do for energy? Well, we can't burn turf anymore. We shouldn't burn coal. That's, that's, that's anathema. So we'll burn gas. We, you know, not naming names, but you hear adverts for um, liquid petroleum gas, zither and yon, and they all get clean energy. But it's it, it, far from clean energy. The cleanest energy is that which is genuinely renewable and doesn't pollute the environment. So what? where did you ever see a politician or somebody in that class of society say, we've got a problem. If the gas gets turned off, we are a sitting duck. We are absolutely sitting. So we need to get our act together. We need to get energy sources that are renewable put in place. I mean, what politician would say, do you know what? We'll put in some small modular reactors. These are nuclear reactors, mm. Frank. And, well, we won't uh, even have that discussion, I guess, you know? No, because you can't have that discussion. Now, China has them and Russia has them. And the idea is that you make the reactor in a factory, you import it onto the site, you hook it up to the grid, and they are by definition, small. So even if the one in a billion contingency, something was to go wrong and they were to go Chernobyl-like, it would be very, very limited uh, radiation exposure, very, very limited. Now, 
what politician would say, well, we're going to put... Uh, now, let me think. We need about 3,000 gigawatts, so we need about 10 of these things. And we'll put them in while we build this offshore, onshore wind and solar. And then we'll decommission them. It will never happen, Paul. No, because it doesn't win votes. Aren't yeah. we stupid, Brad? Aren't we the most stupid people in the world? Well, it's, it's any, any democratic system would have the very same challenges that you're talking about. By its nature, it's short-term politics. Uh, it's in five-year chunks. And um, this is the fallout from that, I suppose. No, that, that Brad, you've just articulated, is the problem. Nobody, nobody... You know, I, I daydream sometimes about an, uh, an improved political system, and it would be every party wanting to get into power would have to publish its manifesto, and the manifesto would, would have attainable targets. It would actually tell you what it's going to do. And when they want to stand for re-election, the people would have two votes. So a year before they... the 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 a year before the, the general election, you'd have a mini-election. And in that, the people would be asked, have this party achieved what they said they'd achieved? And if they hadn't, they wouldn't be allowed to stand for re-election. They'd be out for that term. Yeah, but of course, they they tell you things then, like, look, look at what happens. COVID upturns the bucket, or the war in Russia upturns the bucket, or in the case of Brexit was another issue that they could blame all sorts of things on. And, you know, I mean, I, I just don't see that that yeah, is workable, okay, Paul. OK, but, but then, then why should, why do commentators, why do uh, the political pundits on the, in the media never, ever, ever say, what did you do to anticipate the turn-off of the Russian gas? What did you do? Well, of course, what they'll do is they'll tell you that, oh, we've, that was unforeseen. We, we couldn't have seen that to happen. And... But, that, you know, friend, when, when a storm comes through and blows a chimney down through the roof, that's unforeseen largely because, you know, the last time yeah. you looked at it, it was fine. But it happened. So what I'm saying is that you should have a plan. Whether you enact it or not is another mm. thing. But everybody should have a plan for what happens if Google or Apple or Intel go home. What happens? Yeah, but but, look, but even look at a country like Germany, who we would often look to in oh. terms of political success and all of that uh, with its people, and and uh, they became totally dependent on. No, Russia. they have they have economic success, Brian. I don't think they have any more political success than anybody else, but they definitely have have have. Well, economic Merkel success. was much lauded indeed for her international work and that sort of thing too. You know, well, she was, yeah. Yeah, and, and we have the same over here. You know, you have people who, who compare uh, famous politicians and say, oh, she wasn't, wasn't they great? Not yeah. long ago, we, we had a guy on the programme talking about Bertie Ahern and, yeah. and, and wouldn't it be great if he came back? Well, I mean, yeah. I, I, I uh, Fran, people have very short political memories, very, very short political memories, and it makes me wince sometimes when I hear people talk about Bertie Ahern in, 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 in laudable phrases and say oh, he, he wasn't as, as well, bad as... Well, as, when, he, as when his name was mentioned at the Fin of All Ardèche, there was a, a, a huge applause. Um, so it's an interesting one. Paul, I've gone way over time because it's always so interesting okay. to talk to you. But thank you so much for your time this morning, Paul. No trouble, Brad. Thank no you. Bye-bye. You know, Paul McCarthy there. News is coming up. 
Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Tip, tip today. With Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on. On 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Thanks, Pat. Uh, welcome back to uh, Tip Today. Now, several people on to us about uh, the company GOMO, and this is following on from my conversation. Uh, at the start of the programme with uh, Tony, uh, who lost his SIM card and he was trying to make company uh, make contact with the uh, company. Anyway, just one or two of those. Uh, I can't go on to chat to you, Fran, but I've uh, had massive hassle contacting uh, GOMO last year. It was an actual nightmare. It left me without my phone for about three days. I changed over from Tesco Mobile. I'm happy with my contract, but communications non-existent, says one of our listeners. Now, um, let's go back to the phones and to Carol. Good morning, Carol. How are you? Good morning, Fran. How are you? And really good to talk to you today. And again, this follows on from uh, the conversation earlier on with uh, Tony as to how difficult it can be to to make uh, contact with companies, Carl. It is getting more and more difficult. Um, in a lot of ways, the, the companies are putting up uh, chatbots, uh, which are pieces of software designed to take the place of people. Uh, there's the good, the bad and the ugly in that. And I suppose the good is 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you can get a response to queries. Mm. But because there's no person, when you have a specific query that a chatbot isn't programmed to deal with, you run around in circles. And it is circles. And that's why people in places like Gomo can't get a human, is because the system is designed in a circular way that if it can't help you, it brings you back to the start so that you can try something else. Right, so the algorithm is there, but it has its limitations, I suppose, Carl. It, it, for most of them, yes. yes. Uh, some of them, the more what we call machine learning ones, they are learning as they go and get better over time at dealing with it. That's, I suppose, the good. The bad, obviously, is companies like Gomo don't want to invest in people in call centres. They don't want to invest in customer care representatives because they've got to pay them wages. And it means that your chatbot can be online 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, and you don't have to pay it a penny. And that is the bad, I suppose. And then there's the ugly, which is it limits what a company's responsibility is to its customers. Well, we've provided you the service. And we provided you a means of getting in touch with uh, how to fix most problems. Mm. There you go. We're now divorced from our responsibility to you beyond that. It's incredibly cynical, though, is it not? It's hugely cynical. And it is uh, quite... I I used to work in the the industry in a a different light. Um, And one of the, the major companies that I worked for used to have a, an acronym that they referred to as um, revenue-generating units. 
RGUs. And is, those RGUs... That, that's humans, is it? People. People. Accounts, yeah. They don't want, generally speaking, to deal with people. They want to provide a service that you sign up for and you take their terms and conditions. And that's, that's you know... That's Reven- Revenue-generating units. Yeah, yeah, that's what we are. That's 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 just incredible, isn't it? And that's a, that was a major uh, broadband stroke uh, telecoms TV provider. My God! And Carmel, I mean, is it not inevitable that we're going down this road, though? I mean, you know. Well, it is as long as we put up with it, because yeah. the, the the way companies are structured now is it's, it's not really an Irish company that you're dealing with anymore. It's a global company. Mm. And a global company, to us, we we think we're important. But to them, we're a drop in the ocean. And they have terms and conditions that they work by. If you take phone providers, for instance, phone providers give you a contract that you can't get out of, but they can. Yeah, but how, how many of us will read the small print on any of these contracts, I suppose? Absolutely none of us, because we want the service. And yeah. the terms of service are, it's this way or no way. So that's the way that, that these companies are set up. Yeah. They're set up with systems, not with people in mind. And and still, I mean, you know, you talk about international companies. I mean, one, one of our listeners on to talk to us about uh, Irish revenue, for example, and that unless you're really computer savvy and tech savvy, you're going to have loads of issues trying to make contact there as well because essentially the offices are closed down. A lot of the time they are. You can get through if you know regional uh, phone numbers and they are very helpful when you do get through. But the system, again, is set up for non-human use. Mm. And you can do most things on it. But again, like you say, you have to be of a generation who's designed that way. And I find myself, because I came up with the internet, Mm. and I find myself these days, having to make sure that I nearly retrain every once in a while to get used to what the new technology is. And I'm not in that industry anymore. I haven't been in that industry in 20-something years. But unless you keep up, you will get left behind and you won't understand how to do the simplest of things. Um, We saw where the banks uh, are concerned. There was a bit of a lashback here where they wanted to close even more. Um, of their their outlets and, you know, people power seemed, at least in the short term, to win out there. Is it, Do we need more of that, do you think, Carl? We, we most certainly do need more people power and this is something I, I kind of bang on about a lot these days. Um, I write a little column in the local paper, The Nationalist, yes. and a lot of that is to do with unity, community, taking care of each other. It used to be said that you needed a village to raise a child. Well, maybe an awful lot of the reason that we have such a social chaos is because the village isn't raising the child anymore. We don't have a sense of community, especially in larger towns, urban centres, cities. We have more isolationism than ever before, and we need so much more community. And blame something for me on that, Carol. I mean, who's to blame? What's to blame for that? Well, that, that's a, two, a, a two-pronged approach. Partially, we're to blame because we're letting it happen. And, and I, when I say we, I mean the adults who are in control of the room 
not the teenagers that are coming up, not the children that are coming up, and partially the culture that we've put in place as a society. And automating everything is a means of keeping us isolated from each other. Because you don't have to go into a bank anymore and you don't have to talk to somebody. Mm. There was a, a, a story of a, a young man who brought his father to the bank and he became impatient because the father spent so long walking through the bank, talking to people, doing his paper trail of business and then leaving. And the son said, but you can do all this online. He said, son, I'm a retired pensioner. If I don't get out and talk to people, there's nobody coming to talk to me. But this is how I maintain my links with my community. And there was a time, because there was a wonderful bank manager in AIB in Clonmel named Alex Casey years ago. And but for Alex, uh, when I started out in business back here in Clonmel, I'd have been sunk. But Alex was a human being who made a human decision and got me on the road and got me moving. And, and, and that may not happen now, Carol, because, no, because of the, the, it's a computer-generated algorithm. It's a risk assessment. Right. So somebody's personality, their drive and enthusiasm cannot be reflected in that sort no, of correspondence. No, it's, it's, it's quite simply, we have given ourselves over to maximum profit to be generated at all times. And maximum profit comes at the cost of human welfare. The only way you can take this back is for companies to actually decide, and I don't see this happening anytime in the near future, that maximum profit can be sacrificed for human welfare. Because yeah. intrinsic greed doesn't let us. Right. Shareholders need to be paid the most they can be paid or they'll take their money somewhere else to somebody who will. And and that prompts my next question to you. Is the genie not out of the bottle on this, Carol? I mean, how do you well, unfortunately, in a lot of ways, it, it is. Now, there are some ways we've been able to fight back. We were able to fight back with water charges because the entire nation simply decided, no, that's not happening here. Mm. We were able to fight back recently with the banks um, closing down branches. But what the banks have done now is AIB and Bank of Ireland, now you can do all your banking through post office. So once they have everybody used to doing that, They'll simply close the branches then. Because yeah. once you've trained people into the new way of doing things, then you can close the old way down and people will go, but sure, I can do it in the post office. What do I need the bank for? And I think where water charges are concerned, what's going to happen in the future, if the infrastructure keeps falling apart the way it obviously is, mm -hmm. eventually there will have to be some sort of an introduction. I mean, they'll be able to say, look... I think that that water charges, and God forgive me, are, are not the enemy. Um, I don't object to paying a charge that is ring-fenced for water. Mm -hmm. But in 1997, our car tax was added to, by 5%, to ring-fence payment for water. So we have been paying for water all along. And that's been the argument, isn't that. it? Yeah. 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 So... We do need an infrastructure that works. And I'm all in favour of paying, if we need an infrastructure that works, that it works, that we paid for it, that we get good, clean drinking water, mm. that there's no such thing as a boil notice, that that, that simply doesn't happen. Uh, that, and even though uh, 
<laughs> recently I saw a boil notice being advertised because there was lead in the water. The problem with you boil water that has lead in it is you it's increase pipes, the concentration it? of lead. You yeah. don't dilute it. So... Yeah, it's, it's it's an interesting one, Carmel, that's uh, for sure. Um, finally, can I just ask you briefly, if you would, what did you make of the budget in terms of, you know, making inroads into people's uh, lives and their lifestyle in, 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 you know, in the current awfulness that we're in with, with high cost of everything and uh, cost Absolutely. of Absolutely. Um, I had to send out an email this morning to my customers saying, look, I can't afford to keep going at the rate I'm going at. I have to raise my prices. And that's, you know, that's trickling down from everywhere. And can I ask you what your business is, Carol? Uh, these days I'm a, a humble painter and decorator. Right, very good. Yes. But your so charges have to go up. Everything has to go up. Everybody else's has gone up. Our fuel has gone up. Our insurance has gone up. Our materials have gone up. Everything goes up. So if you keep at the same price, you're actually making less money. But what did I make of the budget is... Again, I suppose good, bad and ugly. Um, the good is the 600 euros in... Um, energy bailouts. Energy yeah. rebate. Mm-hmm. That, that's actually a, that's going to help so many people over Christmas. It really will. And fair play, we, they got that much right. The bad, they added to our social welfare bill. And it's not the fault of those recipients of social welfare that they're in the hole they're in because the system isn't set up to get them out of the hole they're in. It's designed to maintain the hole they're in. So we need a better system of finding employment and matching employment for um, people who are in receipt of social welfare, and then understanding that some people have become so institutionalised over many years that they simply can't get out of that, and to educate younger people yeah, because the, there are jobs out there, Carol, I'm told, you know. There's, well, there, there's are, employment, there are you know. many jobs. If, if there were any apprentices uh, <laughs> looking for work, yeah. uh, um, I, I could certainly deal with one. Um, but I can't get an apprentice because there are none willing to get into the, the trades at the moment. There, was, there aren't enough. It's interesting. There are, uh, there are enough. Most interesting and, conversation, Carol, and we appreciate your time today. And best of luck to you with the business as well. Thanks, uh, Carol. Thank you very much, Fran. Thank and you. Uh, lovely to talk to you and thank, keep up the good work. Uh, you too. Thanks, Carol. Thank you. Bye bye to you. 1800 The Imro Radio Award winning tip today. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Test drive the all new Peugeot 2008 compact SUV at Slattery's Garage, puck on. Choose from petrol, diesel, or fully electric. Slattery's Garage. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Now, all day today, we're revealing the best of uh, tip awards shortlists and voting will begin this evening at 6pm. TipFM.com, of course, every winner uh, will receive a specially commissioned best of tip award to display on their premises. And the awards night happening at the Enner Hotel in Thurnus on Tuesday, the 25th of October. And all of this in association with our friends at the local enterprise office in Tipperary. Now, every hour right throughout the day, we'll be announcing uh, some aspect of the short list right now, now where coffee is concerned the short list is fetch coffee 
in Clonmel, Jenny's Kitchen in Nina, No Filter in Clonmel, uh, 119 Coffee House in Templemore, and the Coffee Depot in Clonmel as well. And also the short list for best gym, AOC Fitness in Thurles, Believe to Achieve in Clonmel, Fitness Factory in Nina, Talbot Fitness in Clonmel, and Extreme CSC in Clonmel. So there's your short list for you. You can vote uh, after 6 o'clock this evening on tipfm.com. Now since March, almost 50,000 people have arrived in Ireland after fleeing Ukraine and the Irish government providing a range of supports to those who have fled the war. Now these supports include accommodation across a range of settings right across the country. One of our listeners was in touch with us about this and John joins me now. Good morning, John. Morning, Fern. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Good to talk to you today, John. Um, Will you share your thoughts on this with us, John? Yes. um, But what I can only describe as hysterical outbursts uh, impinging on our neutrality had been made by both the Prime Minister of this country, Mihal Martin, and Simon Coveney, the Minister for Foreign Affairs. Now, when this uh, country was established like, in 1922 and under the 1937 Constitution, when De Valera launched, which was a new country on the world stage, for and that end, and on, and, uh, the way he put it across, that we would be a sovereign country, right? Part of that sovereignty had to maintain that we be neutral. And he made sure of that at the start, that it was important that Ireland be seen as a sovereign, neutral country, right? That still stands today. We have had peacekeepers in Lebanon. We've had them in Cyprus. We've had them going back to the 60s to the Congo. We played a fantastic part in peacekeeping right around the world. And Michal Merton went along and stood up in the United Nations the other day, grandstanding, in, in, in my estimation, uh, because it's the only time he'll ever be there again. Uh, it's not going to come around the second time that office, and he won't be addressing the UN the second time. But he called Russia a rogue state, Frank. Now, um, I do not see or understand the concept of a rogue state. Now, the Americans have a list of rogue states like Cuba, mm. uh, Iran, uh, North Korea. But the Americans are at war with everybody for years, right? Somewhere in the world anyway, right? We're not. We're a neutral country. And for the Prime Minister, Frank, of this country, a neutral country, a sovereign neutral country, to stand up in the UN and to call another country a rogue state is absolutely despicable. He is not speaking for me or any other Republican, sovereign Republican, neutral Republican in this country. How dare he? Now, on top of that, to double up on it, Simon Coveney last week on local radio said, outside the humanitarian uh, the, uh, packages that had been sent for the help to people in Ukraine, and we have no problem with that, that 55 million has been given to the Ukrainian army, friend, right? Now, his words, and this is the way he described it, this 55 million was not given for to buy guns and yes. bullets. Not, not, for, not for lethal for, force, yes. Yeah, it mm-hmm. was given for to buy helmets, and wait for this, uniforms for the Ukrainian army. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't consider myself a stupid person, right? I consider myself pretty intelligent and working most things out, right? No, for the, the Minister of Foreign Affairs of the sovereign neutral Irish country that this is, to come along in local radio and say that 55 million has been given to the Ukrainian army, I don't care if they never bought a bullet or a gun with it. The fact that we've supplied them with helmets and uniforms, friends. Does, does that, that compromise our neutrality as far as you're Completely 100%. So yes. between Martin and Coveney, 
They're an absolute disgrace. And both of them, on the back of this, like, should resign. Could I take you back to the rogue state uh, issue? Do you not find, do you not have an issue yourself um, as somebody who is obviously, you know, a lover of sovereignty? Um, do you not have an issue with the Russians invading a sovereign state that is Ukraine? Well, there's no problem with that. Well, I, well, I mean, there's no problem. I mean, I know from You recognise that, that. That what they're doing is wrong and yes. it's despicable. Yeah. That, that goes without saying. But when we are, you're a neutral country, you cannot have the Prime Minister of the, of the neutral country addressing the UN or the Foreign Minister coming out the statements like they're coming over. Yes. They're thinking to be picking a side. Well, we're, we're, we're part of the EU and the EU was certainly picked a side. Well, they have, but you see, we have an opt-out clause in that, like going back even to the Nice Treaty, or even going back to 1973, mm, Fran, yeah. when we first joined, the, which was the economic community at, at, at that stage, right? I mean, all neutrality was under pressure from day one, that, and they weren't happy with it, like, but we got around it, yeah. right? And even further down along the road with the Nice Treaty and stuff like that, again, they were pu- pushing against us again on the neutrality again, but again, we got away with it again. And we are still neutral to this day. But the problem is, again, I see you have this uh, uh, carry on below in Shannon, which is going right back to the Vietnam War. This is with the, the Americans, war machine is it? Yeah. It's been facilitated right through uh, Afghanistan, right through Iraq, the whole lot. Again, reaching, there's over 2 million troops passed through Shannon mm. Airport. That means that's 2 million times our sovereignty was trampled on, in my estimation. And, and, and uh, th- I mean, I was going to make that point to you is that, I mean, how real is this neutrality anyway? Well, you see, it's real. It's it's sovereign. It's there. But the trouble is, like, the army person in the street doesn't seem to have a say. Like, the, the, the war machines are landing in Shannon. I gave no yes. permission for that. Well, 61, no, no. Was the 61%, you, you might be able to correct me on this, John, was the 61% of people, though, in a, a fairly recent poll, still thinking that neutrality was extremely important to them? Oh, yes, indeed. I, I, I believe, like, it can't change without a referendum from the Irish people, right? The sovereign Irish people. And I believe if there was a referendum tomorrow morning, it would overwhelmingly pass in favour of remaining the same, that yeah. we'd be a neutral country. Well, we don't want our young men and women traipsing off to war for... Well, we don't, you see. There's enough of that going on, and there's enough of poor souls that come in on both sides that come in that country that's going on at the moment, who yes. are, are, are just... But well, one reason or the other, they're pushed into the army. Young men, I mean, they're, if they're not killed, they're coming back maimed for the rest of their life. I mean, do we want that for our sons and daughters? Right, but of not. course the, the counter-argument, and I'd love to know your opinion on this, is that here we are, small little country, vulnerable country. Um, what, what about protection for ourselves? I mean, already we depend hugely on the Brits, where the RAF is concerned, yep. for example. Yep. Uh, w- w- so, you know, what about that as well? How vulnerable are we, John? Well, we are vulnerable, like, but the thing is, like, I mean, like, maybe we'd be left alone if we, if we didn't go as taking on people like in the UN or, or statements like Simon Corby. He's making open So that's exposing us, you think? It is exposing. We already see what happened in the HSC there, and they told us there was no ransom paid fan there as regards the, the hacking that went on there, the yeah. cyber attack. No, we could be white. Supposing the Russians decide to target us on the back of what Michal Martin has done and what uh, Simon Corby has done, we would be absolutely destroyed. What about our stance where taking in refugees is concerned, though? I mean, do you see that as well as taking a side? 
Well, that's different because a refugee is a refugee is a refugee because uh, any part of the world... Where so you have no problem with that? I mean, I have no problem with that. No, personally, I think we've taken in too many, but that's an argument for another day. We're taking refugees in, I have no problem with that. But when you're picking sides, when you're calling people rogue states, and when you're openly admitting that you're supplying the Ukrainian army, I'm sorry, that's a breach of our neutrality. And those two people, Martin and Corby, should automatically resign. All right, let's put it out to our listeners there how they feel uh, about neutrality at this moment in time, John, because I'd love to get some feedback uh, yeah. on, on that. Really good to talk to you today, John. Thank you. Thank you so Thank much. You. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You know, that's uh, John uh, speaking to us there. Very concerned indeed about her neutrality, uh, particularly concerned, I suppose, by uh, speeches uh, by Michal Martin and indeed utterances by uh, Simon Coveney as well. How do you feel about that? 83 if it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. The Imro Radio Award-winning Tip Today. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Test drive the all-new Peugeot 2008 compact SUV at Slattery's Garage, puck on. Choose from petrol, diesel or fully electric. Slattery'sGarage.ie Ross Cre- Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Now, welcome back to Tip Today, 1800-938-007. Lots and lots of comment coming into us, and I will get to it before the end of the programme, and we always appreciate it. Thank you. And, of course, you can speak to Ali for free on 1800-938-007. A weekly feature on the programme now. Tip Today goes global, and as usual, I'm delighted to be joined by a Tipperary young man, Thomas Conway, who's a politics and economics student. Good morning to you, Thomas. Good morning, Fran. Good to see you today. You're going to start... You're going to playing into conversations that we had earlier on the programme, you're going to talk to us about boom time in the Gulf because uh, energy, of course, is the big uh, conversation, isn't it? It is, yeah, and I was listening to your conversation earlier on and it's very interesting, really, because I think we're we're entering what I would describe as the last chapter of the fossil fuel age. Yeah. So, you know, countries are winding down their use of fossil fuels, they're switching to sustainable green energy and you might be tempted to think like a region like the Middle East is about to go into terminal decline, but that's not really the case. In fact, I was looking at the, the kind of economic plan for the next, we'll say, two decades, and a lot of the high producing, oil producing countries actually plan to expand production for the next 20 to 25 years. And then come around 2045, they intend to slash it dramatically. But the thing is, our demand for oil and gas from these countries has increased rapidly courtesy of the Russian invasion of Ukraine and Russia's leveraging of energy. Right, and they're making hay while the sun shines. They're making hay while the sun shines. The big question, I suppose, is can they they generate enough revenue from this to kind of reinvent and revitalise their economy when fossil fuels eventually do wind down? And, you know, I mean... Given the level of demand that's there for oil and gas at the moment, given our dependency on it, we still have a huge dependency on it. You know, they could well do so. Just to give you an overview of the Middle East, I mean, within the Middle East itself, it's the Gulf region. So the area that surrounds the Persian Gulf, the countries there are responsible for the vast majority of energy what, production. What countries are we talking about? So we're talking about the likes of Saudi Arabia, massive energy producer, Qatar, 
uh, the United Arab Emirates, and then to a slightly lesser extent, Bahrain, uh, Kuwait, Oman, they also produce considerable quantities of, of oil and gas. So right now, the Gulf is essentially in the middle of a, a $3.5 billion energy bonanza, and that's courtesy of the war in Ukraine. Western governments are obviously scrambling to keep the lights on, looking for energy, and they're turning to the Middle East. Russia then, on the other hand, I think I mentioned it before, has turned into a petrol station for China almost. Mm. A lot of its energy exports, hydrocarbon exports, are flowing east towards China and East Asia. So, like, I mean, it's very interesting, but I guess it's important to... It's important to consider, I mean, the Gulf and a lot of the Middle East has had a dreadful time over the past two decades. People don't need me to tell you, I mean, over a million people estimated to have died, wars in Iraq, conflicts, yeah. Syria, mm. Afghanistan. But there's kind of a sense of optimism now sweeping through the region, which is very interesting. What's going to challenge it, though? What's going to challenge its kind of its economic output is stability. And obviously the region is still incredibly unstable. I mean, Iran, which you talked about rogue state in your in your conversation prior. Yeah. Iran, which in my opinion probably is a rogue state, kind of has a dangerous sphere of influence there. It has, I suppose, controlling or influencing militant groups in the lights of Lebanon, Syria. Um, and that is obviously generating a fair degree of instability. But I was reading this week that the very interesting thing is other countries, the likes of Egypt, Israel, Saudi Arabia, they're actually kind of forging new alliances. For instance, like Israel would not have had cosy relations with a lot of the Arab states in the past. And that's as a result, I suppose, of the Palestinian conflict and that. But they're now moving to improve relations. So they're pragmatic. They're pragmatic. And you see, the thing about the Middle East is, unlike, unlike, we'll say, Europe, where we have the EU, a single market and cross-border relations, we trade openly, that hasn't existed in the Middle East because there's been a lot of conflict between the various various countries there. But I think leaders are kind of now grasping the reality that, God, if we need to improve our economies, if we want to improve our economic welfare, welfare... we're going to have to improve cross-border ties. So it, it is very interesting. And they're also embracing kind of Western technology, Westernization to a certain extent. I mean, in, in little over a month's time, Qatar will host the Football World Cup, albeit very controversially, but it's still, you know, the landmark sporting events. Yeah. Saudi is welcoming major sporting events. It, it has bought Newcastle United Football Club, who I support. So there's a, you know, there's kind of an integration, a process of integration happening there. And it'll be very interesting to see how it plays out over the next 20 to 25 years. Won't it indeed. What about the Iran nuclear deal, though, that, that uh, Trump did such damage to? I mean, is, is, is that Yeah, is that pr- prospects in, in are this? very grim. Yeah. Prospects yeah. are very brief, are bleak. It, it, it doesn't look like it's going to be revived anytime soon. Now, they may make a breakthrough. I think there are ongoing talks on and off in Geneva. But I suppose the thing is, if Iran actually gains a nuclear weapon, then you'd imagine a country like Saudi Arabia, its major regional rival, will quickly follow suit. And, you know, 
the more nuclear weapons proliferate, the more dangerous the scenario becomes. We know, we see Putin has opened a Pandora's box Absolutely. in relation to Ukraine there. Um, and it becomes a very dangerous situation, particularly in a region like the Middle East. That's interesting. I'm going to get you just to back off your mic just a, a small little bit, yeah. just because it's popping a bit. Um, UK politics at the moment is looking like, it's, it, you couldn't write it really, what's happening. But you're homing in on the Labour Party uh, a conference. Um, what What's happening? Yeah, I mean, like, it feels like it's all been about the Conservative Party, mm. and it has for, for the past while. They obviously are having their conference, I think, in Birmingham uh, over the weekend. Mm. Labour had theirs in Liverpool last week and I was kind of thinking to myself I was watching Keir Starmer's speech one of the days and I, I think he would probably make a pretty good leader. Do you think so? Well the opinion polls seem to think so mm. anyway because they've opened up a, a seismic a colossal lead over the right. Conservatives. But is that just because of the mess that the Conservatives have made of everything? I, I, uh, I, I think it probably is. Yeah. I think it probably is and we see how the markets ha- have reacted and it's very interesting the market reaction because you know, in general, markets, you know, financial markets would favour deregulation, would favour tax cuts, but they also favour stability. Mm. And the Conservative Party has not offered that in recent times. So just to give you an overview, I mean, like, obviously, we've gone through several Conservative Prime Ministers. Labour kind of have been almost relegated to the sidelines. Jeremy Corbyn came into power a couple of years ago yeah. he had he had an exceptionally good election in 2017 kind of captured the imagine of young voters and then I, I think his hardcore left wing policies too far left yeah were exposed yeah. in the 2019 general election and Boris Johnson took all those seats particularly in that red wall area you know formerly Labour voting regions that essentially backed Boris I think because of Brexit mm. uh, amongst other things and, and that was the route of his popularity. So then Labour brought in Keir Starmer. He's, he's been an MP since uh, since 2015. Hasn't had a long time as an MP, admittedly. A very successful and distinguished legal career mm. prior to that. He was Director of Public Prosecutions, uh, Head of the Crown Prosecution Service. And I think you can kind of see his legal skills in his political style. If mm. you ever watch him in the House of Commons, he's kind of a, a prosecu- prosecutorial style. You know, yes. he quizzes government ministers and the Prime Minister on various issues. So he's yeah. quite good from that perspective. On, on the detail and the surgical On the stuff, detail yeah. and the nuance. I yeah. think there's probably still a question there regarding his charisma. Does he have the, you know, does he have what it takes to be PM? Does he have the kind of popularity? And, and another question, does he have the figures around him? Mm. Regardless of how how good or bad Starmer is, you know, a lot will depend on the figures around him. And what about that that shadow front bench and the like? Does he have? Yeah, I mean, like, they don't have instant name recognition. No. People might be familiar with the likes of Angela Rayner. She's deputy leader. Again, a very experienced MP, endorses a fairly centrist policy agenda like Starmer. You have others like Rachel Reeves who would be similar but beyond that, there, there just aren't many. So, uh, some of the front branchers are, are quite, you know, are not well known. In contrast, I suppose, to the Conservative Party, because obviously they've been in government. But I mean, it's going to be very interesting over over the next while to see, can will the Conservatives narrow that gap? I mean, Liz mm. Truss is not having a good time. We see a little bit of a detente, maybe in relations with Ireland and the EU, Steve Baker. That was very interesting. A very interesting development in the past 24 hours. Effectively apologised for Mm. his hardcore Brexit stance. So I think a realisation creeping into 
to British government benches that look we we have to we have to cool things down here. We have to take a constructive approach to that with our neighbours. And I was still seventeen point lead. Uh, the Labour Party has a over. staggering lead, a staggering it's, it's lead, really. Isn't it? All right, it's going to be very interesting times uh, ahead for sure. Um, Russia's backyard. There's there's difficulty going on there. Isn't Russia's there? backyard. Yeah, Central Asia. A place I have to say I do not know much about, and I'm sure a lot of listeners. I can never pronounce some of the countries. No, that that is the main thing. I mean, you have the lights. I hope I get it right. Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan. Like it's obviously home to a big population, and it actually has a fascinating history. I mean, mm. you go back in time, and it was kind of the route of the Great Silk Road, that major trade route that stretched from east to west. In the 13th century, you had Genghis Khan, the the Mongol warlord. He marched across and conquered much of much of those territories. So it has a fascinating history. But mm. then, for much of I suppose the 20th century, it was subsumed into the Soviet Union. It was part of of the Soviet Empire. Yes. And then, when that collapsed, when the Soviet Union disintegrated, all these independent republics were established. And I think what I'm going to talk about now, there's conflict in a lot of them. And the roots of that stretched back to, to 1990. Mm. What happened was, you know, independent republics established, borders had to be redrawn very quickly. And I think in a lot of cases, mistakes were made. There were kind of enclaves of of ethnic populations located in countries. O- overlapping in here. Overlapping, yeah, yeah. overlapping. And in, in recent weeks and months, we've kind of seen a, an outbreak, a spillover of, of mm. tensions, tensions between Az- Armenia and Azerbaijan. There's been a... But do these countries not pay homage to Russia, though, Thomas? Yeah, and it's, it's very, it's peculiar because a lot of them are allied to Russia mm. and yet their relations with one another are quite fractious. Right. Uh, so, I mean, Armenia and Azerbaijan, there was kind of an outbreak of tensions is there over a hundred military personnel killed over a disputed region? Uh, another one to break out recently: Kyrgyzstan and Tajikistan, both close and firm allies with Russia. A border dispute there, and right. it goes back to what I was saying. You know, borders had to be redrawn very quickly. Should. Um, Putin, I know he has other concerns, but should Putin be very concerned about this? I think he will, because, I mean, you know, Russia has peacekeeping forces in the region, but a lot of their military forces have been diverted to Ukraine, and they're using up a lot of military firepower there. So this regional instability is not good. It's not good, I mean... Look, Russia's reputation in the West is has been shattered by, by their actions in Ukraine, but it still has cards to play with China. Now, China views views Russia, I think, as useful to a certain extent, but not indispensable. So if it sees that it can't control its sphere of influence, you know, it, it, it's not going to be too happy. It's very interesting. What about the economies of those countries, though? What? Yeah, I mean, like, it's there are, there are major disparities. Kazakhstan, for instance, uh, is, I think, the ninth largest oil producer on the globe. So it has kind of a, a thriving hydrocarbon sector. Its economy has has expanded dramatically in recent years, really. Then you have countries like those I mentioned, Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan, still quite poor, would not have a lot of mineral resources. A lot of the the money in the country would be from remittances sent home from Mm. citizens working abroad. So it's probably fair to characterise it as an underdeveloped region. Um, And obviously, you know, 
faces challenges and this kind of instability and conflict is not going to help its economic fortunes. It's interesting, isn't it? A new Gandhi for, for India? Yeah, a new Gandhi for India. This guy, now he's no relation, he's no relation, but he's doing something similar to Mahatma Gandhi. He's on a long march across the country um, in an attempt, I suppose, to, to woo voters and connect with the lives of ordinary Indians. And I suppose it brings back memories of Mahatma Gandhi, his 380 kilometre march to the West Coast yeah. in defiance of British rule, such an iconic event, they would eventually uh, gain independence in 1947. And then sadly, Mahatma Gandhi was assassinated just a year later. But I think what what, what that march did is that it, it demonstrated how powerful a political device uh, such a thing can be. And I mean, in the years since, there have been numerous, there have been politicians who've tried it uh, grassroots leaders who've attempted to march across the country. Another fellow went across the country in a mini truck uh, trying to, to connect with, with ordinary marches right. or with ordinary voters. But this guy, Rahul Gandhi, he's the leader of the Indian Congress Party, which is the main opposition party, the main opposition to Narendra Modi. And essentially, I mean, they're not having a good time. Narendra Modi's party, the BG, BJP, uh, have a majority in the Lok Sabha, which is the Indian parliament. They're in control in a lot of regional governments. And remember, India is obviously a massive country. It's a federation. Uh, so there are a lot of different states there which Modi's party controls. This guy is marching across the country in an attempt to, I think, there's a little bit of desperation to it. I, I think it's kind of a last attempt to revive his right. own political career and his party's political career. But he's career. no real threat to Modi. I he? don't think he is yeah. at, at this point in time. I mean, Modi is deeply popular. He endorses that kind of nationalist agenda. Uh, Rahul Gandhi, on the other hand, seems to be kind of fighting a, a losing battle. As I said, hint of desperation to this march. Mm. Uh, you know, he's trying to he's trying to win back working class voters, which Modi has snatched over the past couple of years. Right. And, uh, you know, it's hard to see him uh, being successful, It'll but be you never know. Yeah. You never Modi, know. Modi has uh, well, he certainly had links with Mr. Trump, didn't he? Oh, he uh, certainly does. Yeah. He certainly does. I suppose yeah. they they're similar. They have that kind of macho charisma to them. Um, and uh, you know, if Trump gets back into power, you can imagine. Uh, you can imagine they will continue their bromance. I, I love the way you say that. You just toss it. Out. If Trump gets back into power, it's going to be an interesting it one. That very isn't it? Um, what to watch out for then? What should we watch out for internationally over the next while? Then, yeah, I mentioned Israel earlier. There's yeah. a, the major EU summit taking place with with Israel. It's the first time since 2013, and I think it, it's an opportunity to restore relations between the bloc and. And Israel, there's obviously uh, the current Israeli Prime Minister, Yair Lapid, is kind of a, a more moderate figure than Benjamin Netanyahu, his predecessor. But he is up for election this November. Another Israeli election. And of course, Netanyahu is eyeing a political comeback. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that develops. We're about in an extra, we're about one month away from the midterms. Yeah. It's going to be very interesting. I mean, we mentioned Trump there. His influence on US politics has not waned since he left the White House. Joe Biden's approval ratings have improved. He seems to be getting on a little bit better. But if he loses control of both houses of Congress, and we can talk about this in subsequent weeks, 
I mean, it would be disastrous. It'll he'll find it extremely difficult to push through a lot of his signature poly, policy moves. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one uh, to watch. He's um, some of his public performances are getting more and more kind of strange and. Yeah, I mean, he he like one day he you know he'll seem quite solid. Yeah. Other days he seems lacking in energy and, and, and conviction. He could be quite kind of inconsistent yeah. in that respect. You know, so it is kind of worrying, but. You know, I mentioned before, if we look to head to 2024, there's no other Nobody's person emerging, no. in the Democratic Party. Nobody's emerging. Certainly not Kamala Harris. No real senator standing up. So, you know, Biden could well stand for a second term. Good God. Right. Um, and uh, finally, just to look to uh, Italy before yeah, we go just, as Yeah, uh, just, well. I mean, Georgia Maloney, who obviously swept uh, swept victory in the election with the Brothers of Italy last week, uh, she is set to, to become Prime Minister. They should form a right-wing coalition in the coming weeks, and it'll be very interesting to see how they uh, how they react and how they um, mm. how their relations go with the with the European now Union. Now she was trying to sound rather moderate on the run up to the election and indeed with the victory. But what about now? I mean, what's yeah? What's... Uh, to be honest, I don't think people. You know, obviously because she's far right, people are immediately fearful of her. I, I, I think the 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 fear has maybe reduced in in recent weeks. I think they're. I think she will be slightly more responsible than a lot have have predicted. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how she how she manages the economy in particular, because mm. you know there's obviously a COVID recovery fund there that Italy badly needs, yeah. and she needs to preserve their status within the EU. It, it, it'll be very uh, interesting. There's a lot of discussion now about the term far right. And yeah, and what does it actually mean? It actually, you know, yeah. you know. So I mean, it's very interesting. We do see a lot of these populist parties <clears throat> have become a little more responsible in mm. recent weeks. You know, we have the Sweden Democrats in Sweden have mm. swept into power as well. They've realised that in order to govern, they're going to have to get their act together. Yes, Marine Le Pen as well. As Marine Le Pen, France, yeah, yeah, Marine Le Pen indeed in France. All right, listen, really good to see you as always, Thomas. Thanks, thanks, thanks very much indeed. News and information is on the way. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on. On 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Welcome back to uh, Tip Today. Thanks, Pat. Uh, 1800 uh, Big response indeed to the notion of neutrality as well. Just one or two of those. And neutrality would fly out of the window, Fran, if somebody was taking shots at us. Uh, we're the best uh, to change things as it suits us. I'm not quite sure about that. Ask the man about Hitler and neutrality. Too many people were neutral and millions died. Yeah, but would many more of our people have died if we weren't... Uh, if we weren't neutral at that particular point. Um, when the likes of Putin or anybody threatens the use of nuclear weapons, do they not realise that it would affect their countries as well? You would imagine that sort of logic like that would play a part in their thinking. But, uh, you know, uh, as we've discovered over history, I suppose, it's not always logical, that's for sure. Now, on this coming Saturday, the 8th of October, Louise Morrissey will be headlining a very special concert at Brewbrew in Cashel, and she joins me now in the studio. Good morning to you, Louise. Good morning, Fran. Good to see you this morning and as well. And you too. Um, it is a very special sort of 
entertainment and it's very different as well. Will you tell us about it? It is, Fran. Yeah, it, it's something a little bit different. It's taking place in the afternoon. Um, it's an afternoon tea, which will be uh, beautiful tea, sandwiches, glass of Prosecco, some lovely chocolates that people can come in and enjoy at three o'clock in the afternoon. And I'm delighted to say that the actual afternoon tea is sold out. Uh, because, you know, there was a limited uh, yeah, yeah. amount of people that they can cater for and people will be having their afternoon tea in the dining room in Brewbrew and, you know, the lovely Tig Kjol where they have the, the session. Gorgeous, yeah. yeah, so the so people will be in there as well for their for their tea. But that part of it is actually sold out because I, I, I checked with them before I came on right. to chat to you this yeah. morning and I'm delighted about that. But then, um, as soon as they finish their tea, then they come into the theatre and the concert starts at half past four and lots of people have been looking to come to the concert only who don't want to come for tea. Mm. So uh, lots of bookings are happening for that Very now good. as well. So you can so come specifically to the concert. You can, you, you can indeed. Yeah. And the fact that it's on in the afternoon, it is something a little bit different because a lot of the older people, um, I suppose, you know, there are lots of people who don't like to go out too late yeah, at night yeah. and this afternoon show suits them. You know, maybe active retirement groups because I know that there are several groups of people coming in, you know, for the tea and, you know, they'd be able to get home early. The whole thing will be over by half six at the latest. That's great. And uh, I, Sandy I love Kelly, the of idea course, of it because, Yeah, the, the notion of afternoon tea now is huge anyway. It but is. But the combination of entertainment and that is great. It is. You know, I mean, it's something that I love to do with my sisters from yeah, time to time. Yeah. You know, we go off and go somewhere nice, we pick somewhere nice to go and, you know, and stuff our faces with lovely... <laughs> little <laughs> Lo- lovely yeah. little sandwiches yeah. and goodies and the yeah. whole lot and it is lovely it's a really nice thing to do and you know I just thought God something like this now followed by a little bit of entertainment would be something a little bit different Yes, and it is proving to be um, very is popular it, it's getting a, a huge response so I'm yeah. absolutely delighted so tell us about the concert then because yourself and San- Sandy Kelly of course yeah mm. my great friend Sandy mm. is coming down and she's going to be performing and also we have Molly O'Connell who's a new up and coming country music girl. star yeah. she's a lovely yeah. girl lovely. you know and yeah. of course Tipperary girl as well yeah. and Pat Mernan is going to be there as well you know to Excellent. look after the backing and yeah. and all that, so we're we're going to do it really, friend, like a big sing song, you know, not 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 the big formal, yes, gig, you know, you where, where everything is flat, yes, yeah, yeah okay. you know, it's it's going to be sort of more informal. We'll we'll be all there. Sandy will do her spot, and of course, Sandy Kelly doesn't need any introduction at all. What I mean, a career she's, she's, she's had! An amazing career, mm. unbelievable. Such a lovely girl, such a lovely lady, very humble. Yeah, and you know the people that she has worked with over the years, um, Johnny Cash. And Glenn Campbell, Willie Nelson, and Willie Nelson yeah. exactly, and mm. Hal Ketchum. She's recorded with mm. all of these people, and worked in the United States so many times mm. with Johnny Cash. Performed on stage with him. And the Patsy Klein show in the West then, End. Of course, yes. Yeah. Then she did her Patsy Klein show, yeah. and she toured all over the UK and further afield with that. That was a huge success, mm. and that um, came as as a result of the huge hit she had with Patsy Klein's song "Crazy." Mm. Yeah. And just a, a, a fabulous girl, a fabulous singer, and as I said, so humble. Mm. And I'm delighted that she's coming down. I met her recently in the INEC. Uh, we were doing a show with her, and it, she still has loads of enthusiasm for the business. And, oh, you know, very much. Wanting yeah. to be on the stage. Yeah, you know, she's great. Amazing. I mean, you know, you know her pretty mm. well as well, mm. friend, over the years. And, mm. and she's, she's such a lovely person. And then she goes on the stage, it's like you flick a switch, she just becomes she's on. The, yeah. the superstar that she is, <laughs> yeah. you know. And people love her. Great 
great personality, everything. And then um, Molly O'Connell, who mm-hmm. is a um, new rising star from uh, Kilcommon in mm-hmm. Tipperary. Delighted to have Molly on board as well. And Molly is going to be with me on Glortira this year. Oh, is she? Yeah, we're yeah. recording the new series and I was delighted to be asked to do my own show. And this time around, it's two contestants. Okay. So um, I asked Molly would she like to do it and delighted to have her on board. And my other contestant is Noel Boland. Oh, I know him. He's yeah. a great He's great, great yeah. yeah. And they're two completely different styles. You know, Molly course, does her yeah. sort of country and Irish and then Noel does, he's maybe, I suppose, a bit more American mm, style, mm. But, but he's fantastic and a great singer as well. That's great. So, yeah. um, There's a whole bunch of new people out there that really are astounding, aren't they? It's great. Yeah, yeah, my God. Like, I always say for such a little tiny country, we've got so much talent yeah. out there it's, and it's fabulous. And you need new singers coming along all the time. You need to keep the, the business going and keep the wheel yeah, turning all yeah. the time. I, I love to see it. Actually, when you and I were speaking at um, in Holy Cross at the Cut Loose Festival, you were making that point that you know, like you were the generation who took over from the likes of Sandy, I suppose, and Philomena and all yeah, of that. Yeah. And then you have another generation coming along. Yeah, now, like a know? new up and coming generation yeah. again. And there's, it's you know, there's just so much talent out there. And of course, they all look like supermodels as well. Know, you yeah. know, they all look yeah. fabulous. You know, the style and the glamour and everything you know but it's, it's gorgeous it's great to see it, yeah, it really isn't, is. it, isn't it fantastic well, and they're also enthusiastic as well well it's great to see you giving them a leg up too because it will be very easy not to I suppose Louise you know well it would but you know why Why would you do that either yeah. you know I mean people were very good to me when I started yeah. and and I got great help and advice from people like Philomena and Susan McCann and Sandy and you know and we're all great friends you know yeah. Like we we phone each other regularly and we have good laughs and good chats and I'm just back from uh, the Hooli in the Sun I was I was there um, just for two nights. Was that with Declan? Was it yeah. with Declan? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It all sounds very jet set, like to go over for two <laughs> nights and just fly back again. <laughs> but it was great, and of course yeah. we crammed in as much as we could in the two days. Of course, well. I mean he had an enormous amount of people over there. Didn't huge he? crowd, absolutely huge. Now so I know that they're all back today, right. but um, you know, uh, Philomena Begley was there and. Um, Olivia Douglas and you know so it was lovely to hang out with yeah. the girls kind of socially as well you know after yes. we'd done our there was gossip going on oh, there was a small yeah, bit just of a little bit of that you can't, but you all, can't good. Beat, yeah. all good all um, good and, and getting back to what's happening on Saturday then it's interesting to see that uh, entertainment is evolving isn't it you know in terms of what you're offering to people now. Yeah, it is different and, and I suppose you have to try and come up with new ideas all the time and do different things. You know, it's like yourself and Muriel, I know you're doing a, a, a weekend away, and I know yeah, it's yeah. great and yeah, the best of luck with that and great. congratulations you, yeah. on that. And it is great but you do have to kind of come up with something different and to keep things fresh for yourself as well. Mm, yeah. You know, and, and try and I suppose, sort of like reinventing ourselves. Absolutely, you know? absolutely. Yeah, yeah but um, but I'm I'm delighted with the response that we're getting for Saturday, and I'm really looking forward to it. And it's going to be great fun. And I hope that everybody will enjoy their enjoy their tea and their prosecco and their chocolates, and yeah. then come in and join us for a big sing song and a bit of a session. So, what about uh, getting involved? Country getting music t- style, of yeah, course. Absolutely. <laughs> what What about getting uh, some tickets for that, then, Louise? Yeah, the they're available office? now. As I said, the afternoon tea part is is fully sold out. Okay, but there are. T- tickets available for the concert only and that starts at half past four and the tickets are available from Brew Brew Box Office on 062-611-22. Okay, and I know that you can book online as well as info at brewbrew.ie but that box office number again is 062-611-22. Of course, I I know probably everybody at this point has been in Brew Brew but it's a perfect setting 
for a concert, I think. Is it? It's gorgeous. It's intimate and it's it is. You know, to perform there, it's it's a fabulous venue and the, the atmosphere is always fabulous. The people who go there love it. Yeah. Um, and I love going there to see a show myself. Yeah. You know, to be part of the audience. There's just something lovely and there very is, homely sure. and welcoming about the place. Absolutely brilliant. So 062 611 I guess people would want to get their skates on them, would they? Is well, they the would, yeah. yeah. You okay. know, uh, the tickets are selling fast and as we said, the, the afternoon tea is sold out so it's the concert only at this stage All right, and we'd love to see all right. T- tell me about the business now, Louise. I mean, here we're talking about it evolving, doing different things and that. Uh, since we got back from COVID, I mean, are some people still not back? Or how is, how is yeah. that working? I think in the last few weeks, I, I think people were a little bit slow to take off, you know, when we did get the green yeah. light to go ahead. But I think people were still a little bit nervous, you know, which is perfectly yeah. understandable. Mm. But in the last month, I think people, it's like just suddenly everybody has just taken off. And any gigs that I have been at, um, you know, just doing my guest appearances. Yeah. There, the crowds have been great. Uh, super crowds everywhere. You know, the Hooli was sold out. Going out to Jimmy Buckley's next week and the week after. It's all sold out as well. Um, uh, just great crowds everywhere. And people are just in great form. And they don't even want to hear about COVID anymore. You know, it's that's, just... That's uh, we're, interesting. We're sick it? of it, is all I know, yeah. And, yeah. The, and that's it. And they're just delighted to be out and about again. Yeah. It'll you be know, interesting Ourselves included, of course. Of course, yeah. yeah. It'll be interesting to see what uh, Christmas uh, brings up in terms of parties and all of that kind of thing. Will yeah, that all come yeah, people, yeah, I, I think it will. I yeah, really I do so now. Um, I'm sure you see it yourself at your yeah, own gigs as yeah. well. People are out and about. They're just out that they're dancing away or they're singing along whether, you know, a concert or a dance, whatever yeah. it is but they're just really enjoying themselves Perfect. and they're out and about in the pubs and the restaurants and everything. God bless And them. it's great to see it. Thanks be to God. That's, that's for sure indeed. Yeah. Um, what, what about the music? Well, you have a current single, of course. I have, yeah. My current single is Daddy's Toes mm. and it was written and given to me by Nathan Carter Jordan Mogi and Joe McShane they they wrote it and they thought that it would suit me and of course I, I thought it was lovely because it's a song that kind of pulls at the heartstrings mm-hmm. you know um, we've all done it we've all danced on our daddy's toes as little kids and danced around with him um so it's it's a really nice song. I like what it's about. All right, we're going to have a listen to that. But in the meantime, Sandy and Louise, along with the great Pat Mernan, indeed, uh, this coming Saturday, 0626112, but afternoon tea and the goodies all sorted. Uh, but you can, of course, come to the concert. Louise, great to see you. Thanks very much. And indeed. thanks so much for having me on, friend. You're very welcome. Appreciate it. Let's have a listen to the current singer. <laughs> I recall the way he shuffled with his shoes He'd take my mama by the hand and lead her As that big old yellow moon was shining through Daddy was a gentleman, no doubt It was very
single from Louise Morrissey and Louise along with Sandy Kelly and my good friend Pat Murnan um, and they'll be entertaining in great style this coming Saturday at Brewbrew as part of what's what's a very novel idea I'm sure you'll agree indeed but uh, the afternoon tea and that aspect of it completely sold out but uh, if you want to just attend the concert you can do so 062 Two and Mary from Carrick and Shure, delighted that we're playing that particular track today as well. We'll take a break, back with more. The Imro Radio Award winning tip today. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Test drive the all new Peugeot 2008 compact SUV at Slattery's Garage, puck on. Choose from petrol, diesel, or fully electric. Slattery'sGarage.ie. The Imro Radio Award winning tip today. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Test drive the all new Peugeot 2008 compact SUV at Slattery's Garage, puck on. Choose from petrol, diesel, or fully electric. Slattery'sGarage.ie. My old friend uh, Paul Lafford was on to say good morning, Fran. Uh, Irish neutrality has been well compromised by our continued support of the American war machine at Shannon. Uh, sure, it's a few handy bob, we say. It's not like the Americans ever invaded a sovereign country. Um, Paul goes on to say there's a very dark joke doing the rounds at the moment. It says the proxy war between Russia and the USA will finish with the death of the last Ukraine. Very dark thought indeed, Fran. And that comes in from uh, Paul today. Also, listen around to us to say... 
Now, there's a large number of Ukrainian refugees after arriving in uh, Tipperary. They're nice people, according to the caller, but many are young men. And the caller thought that all young men had to stay and fight and also wondering, will they be allowed back into the Ukraine now? And if they're not allowed back in, will we be footing the bill forever? Well, again, my understanding of that, with the initial mobilisation of Ukrainian men, um, the men aged between 18 and 60, uh, had been banned from leaving the country in anticipation that they might be called to a fight and uh, um, to President uh, Zelensky at the time making the point that the people who stayed to fight were heroic uh, people. Now, there are exemptions. And so be very careful about making your mind up if you see younger men because there are exemptions. Fathers with three or more children, for example, can leave the country, as can people with certain medical issues. Now, in saying that, there's ways to sneak out as well. There's bribes to border guards and dashes through uh, unattended parts of the borders and stuff like that. And to the best of my knowledge, we don't we don't go through that. We don't um, um, examine people's motives or anything like that. As far as I know, we accept people when they come in here. So that's my understanding of it. And I'm prepared to be corrected on that if, if anybody has extra information. 83 The cost of living crisis, uh, very worrying it is for lots of us with even the most basic of essentials skyrocketing in price. Now it's important to save, I suppose, where you can. But slashing the budget on your weekly shop does not mean that you have to live off pasta and beans. Well, our nutritionist, Lauren O'Reilly, joins me. Now, Lauren, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. How are you? And thank you so much for coming on uh, with us today. You see, we we have that um, uh, idea, I suppose, that if we slash the budget on the weekly shop, we will end up living on pasta and beans. But that's not necessarily the case. It is. And and people have the misconception that eating healthy um, is expensive and it's a luxury. And, and, you know, cuts need to be made and so on there as well. And um, I suppose whilst we're going through this, it's important to look after our health number one i really do have some juicy tips for you this morning though to help you um maintain healthy eating whilst on a budget then as well you mm. know um the first one really to begin with is, is meal planning um now it sounds very complicated but really meal planning um it helps to save time it helps to save money it saves stress if you have it at the busy work weeks and children and families and busy lives as well and it also helps to prevent waste then as well um so when we're thinking about meal planning for example we need to think about you know okay so composing our meals in advance of the shop mm. you know think about okay when i'm making up my dinner what do i need i need a good source of protein i need a source of whole grain carbohydrates i need to have my vegetables and so on there as well so think about the food portion sizes both for you and your family um, an easy way to do that without having to get the weighing scales or so on is to actually use your hands as a visual aid for that. Mm-hmm. So the palm of your hand raised, cut off the fingers and the wrist is a portion of protein. So your portion sizes are relative to the size of your body, for instance. That's a portion of protein, a quarter of your plate. A fist below the bone on your wrist, so if you make a fist, that's a portion of cooked carbohydrates. And the remaining two fists then are the vegetables, so half your plate of vegetables. So uh, a, a palm of your hand of protein, a quarter of your plate. A fist is a portion of cooked carbohydrates, a quarter of your plate. And the remaining half of your plate is two fifths of vegetables. So then when you're kind of thinking about how much do I need, you can visualise it when you're shopping then as well and also putting the food on your plate. 
Um, so when you're composing your meals, think of composing your meals in advance and popping them on your shopping list. It's important when we're shopping as well to consider the snack options. You know, yes. because we can often end up oh, I'll just pick up a packet of crisps there, and I'll just pick up these, and I'll pick up, I'll pick yeah. up some chocolate bars, and I'll throw them into the trolley. Think about your snacks in advance. You know, so healthy snack options might include mixed nuts and seeds, pre-chopped vegetables, reduced fat hummus, um, whole fruits which you can chop up and have prepped in advance yourself. Um, hard-boiled eggs yogurts, olives, rice cakes, corn cakes. So again, think about the snacks uh, when you're making up your shopping list as well. Um, and when making up that shopping list, it's important to you know, write that list and stick to it, if at all possible then as well. Because once you're inside in the supermarket, there's a lot of distraction, there's a lot of marketing strategies mm. and everything in, inside in the supermarket that can cause us to kind of impulse buy. Um so you're probably well aware that once we're in the supermarket, for instance, it's a bit of a maze. Um, I think I discussed before that, you know, we have to pass a lot of tempting items to get to our staple foods. Of course. Um, that's a deliberate thing. Uh, it's actually, it's, actually um, it's called the Gruen transfer effect. It's actually a psychology deliberately manipulated effect for um, enticing people to buy more when trying to reach their staple foods in the supermarket. So write that list fix that list and put the blinkers on as soon as you go into your supermarket then as well. You don't end up impulse buying, which again can end up in waste and, and I suppose bite into your budget then as well. Of course. Do you go along with that notion that you should never shop when you're hungry either? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You know, you do end up buying half the shop. Yes. Um, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> and a lot of, like, when you're hungry then as well, you might end up craving sugar. You might end up craving more fatty foods. So actually going in when you're hungry can actually influence the type of food. Um, if you're having a bit of a sugar craving whilst you're going in there as well. You know, um, another helpful tip is to actually shop around. Yes. Where time allows you to do so. And actually, as it turns out, you know, a lot of people kind of go, oh, you've got my club card or, you know, but some of the supermarkets really do have some great deals going on. There's actually a really good website for people to check out called SavvySpender.ie and they do a comparison of the club cards in the various different supermarkets as well. Savvy so took- Spender, is that it? Savvy Spender, okay. so S-A-V-Y-S-P-E-N-D-E-R.ie. Um, so I took some of their information there last night So and actually used the club cards myself. Mm-hmm. So, for example, Dunn's have the 10 euros off your 50 euro spend, grocery vouchers. Um, Super Value have an app um, and they have 7 euro off your 40 spend. And they also have discount vouchers for um, numerous products as well. Right, so that's, that's very substantial, isn't it? Isn't it? It yeah. really does. And I, I use it. I yeah. use it because why pay more than you have to? Um, Tesco's as well. They have their product discount vouchers. They have them for various products. But they also give you, like, they'll send you out, like, a coupon for five euros off or a five euro voucher every so often then as well. Uh, the Little Plus app, again, I have that. And it's actually, there's some great deals on it. I looked at it there last night. Mm. And they've got 35% off porridge. 33% off mixed berries, wow. uh, 20% off pork fillet medallions or two skinless salmon darns, uh, and 24% off your beef quarter pounder burgers. So again, it's imp- it's people <laughs> don't let the apps or the club cards um, veer, you, veer you off having to store them in your wallet or anything like yeah, that. It's, it's well worth it. 
It is worth it. And actually, another really good tip is there is an app called Stocard, S-T-O-C-A-R-D, so Stocard, which you can download and you can pop all of your cards onto that app. You don't need to go carrying your club cards around. That's like Uh, the virtual wallet you would use for credit cards as well, isn't it? Absolutely. That's exactly what it is. And again, that Stocard app is, you know, you you don't have them hanging off the dongle of your keys. Uh, you don't have to go fighting for it and, and it's bolting up your wallet. That Stocard app is a really, really good piece of advice, even in terms of your, your Costa coffee card or your, your even your, your, if you go shopping in your clothes shop. Uh, any, anyone that has kind of a discount card or um, a club card, you can store all of those cards. It's very good because I, uh, the only ones I would have would be the coffee ones and I keep losing them, so I never benefit from it in any way. Can I take you back to the makeup of the plate again because I'm just conscious that people might be fully aware. When you speak about protein and carbs, just tell me about protein first of all. Yeah, so the different types of protein, they would be your meats for instance. Um, you can also get vegetarian protein sources as well. Yes. So lentils, peas, beans and so on there as well. Um, and actually they're good affordable sources of protein then as well. Um, so like for example, eggs are a really good source of protein too. So when you're thinking about your protein sources, think about, okay, meat, chicken, fish, eggs, lentils, um, peas and beans, they're all really, really good sources of protein. So again, a palm of your hand portion of those should be included in right. your main meals at the very least then as well. And, and we can have that gorgeous, healthy meal, but I presume, Lauren, if we pour a whole load of like fattening gravy over that or, or some sauce, um, that does that sort of make it all a waste of time? No, it, it depends on the sauce itself. So, you know, opt for sauces that are reduced sugar uh, and so on there as well. And again, you can make up your own sauces. So even have a tin of tomatoes inside in the supermarket. Uh, and, and again, when you make it up yourself, it's, it's far more pure. You're better off you know, making your own sauces rather than buying the processed versions if you can at all. Um, so a, a tin of tomatoes, a little bit of Italian seasoning inside that as well. You can add some mushrooms, you can add some peppers and you can add in your vegetables to your sauce then as well. So it might even work out cheaper to, you know, bought, make up your own tin of sauce and healthier in the long run then as well. Um, the, the gravies, just be conscious of them. They can be quite high in salt then as well, but there are reduced sodium gravies out there too. All right. Well, some great advice as always. Lauren, you, you have your own website, haven't you? I do indeed. Yeah. It's nutritionbyloran.ie. All right. Really good to talk to you today, Lauren. Thank you very much indeed. And bye-bye to you. That's Lauren O'Reilly there, our nutritionist, uh, speaking to us this morning. 1800-938-007. Let's uh, talk about sport now. And glad to be joined by Paul Carroll from our Nina desk. Good morning to you, Paul. Morning, Fran. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Good to talk to you today. Let us kick off with those football semifinals, uh, Paul. Yeah, good excitement yesterday. Yeah. The uh, senior football semi-finals were on in um, in Golden J Club. Uh, Double header was on there. Clamell Commercials and Mall Rovers was up first, and then Upper Church Tramban and Lockmore Castellini. Um, the first game, Clamell Commercials were one fourteen to nine point winners over Mall Rovers. So uh, Commercials now into their fourth consecutive uh, county senior football final. And they're going to be joined by a team that's never been there before. Upper Church Drumban, 112 to 111 winners over Lockmore Castellini. 
and uh, yeah it was Upper Church's first ever semi senior semi-final yesterday and they're up against the reigning county champions Lockmore Castellani and beat them by a point great atmosphere down in Golden for both of those games especially the second game there's a real big Upper Church support there mm. and just great scenes after the full-time whistle you know and it felt like the whole parish of Upper Church was on the field and they're <laughs> having imagine. a great year um, yeah. yeah sure they're in, the, they're in the Senior Hurling semi-final next week and their Junior A's are in the Senior Hurling final as well or semi-final as well yeah. so just there'll uh, be a, a lot of celebrations year. in the church I can tell you definitely um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, sorry was, it, was there more you wanted to add to that Paul? Um, oh yeah, well, just yeah. It was uh, one thing that was worth mentioning is, is the goal Upper Church got. It was yeah. a piece of just brilliance from uh, from Paul Shanahan. He had a he did a line ball from about five yards outside the twenty one. He was kind of looking around. There was nothing on, and then he just found this unbelievable pass into the middle of the field. Keith Ryan was running onto it, and he was in one on one with the goalkeeper when he got the. But that's how good the pass was, and uh, he just hand passed it off then to uh, was it, uh, I have it written down here Connor Fahey who who just palmed it in. He came on as a substitute and he palmed that in to put them into their their first ever senior football final. So, so um, a huge one there for, for Upper Church uh, Drumban. For sure. On to ladies football. And yesterday was, was uh, an exciting day as well, wasn't it? Yeah, we might just stay with uh, Gaelic Games just for a second, Fran. I must, I'll have to mention the senior football relegation final. It was uh, Care against Aherlow. There was great drama here. Um, Care 1-8, Aherlow 8 points was the final score. But Aherlow actually had a penalty in the last kick of the game to try draw the sides level. But Aaron Wall in goals for Care made an unbelievable save. And it was a great penalty. I think it was Barry Grogan from Aherlow hit the penalty and John that situation you're under a lot of pressure your team could get relegated if you're to miss this penalty and he went right in the top corner but it was an unbelievable save uh, to keep the ball out and the, it, all the care crowd went, went mad after it and were on the field and it was just great scenes and uh, something you love to see and also the intermediate football uh, semi-finals run over the weekend uh, Mulnohon were 12 points to 1-5 winners over Golden Kilfiegel and then Ballina the uh, last year's Junior A champions they beat um, Grange Mokler Ballyneal 210 to 12 points so a 4 point win there for Ballina they're looking for 2 consecutive um, uh, promotions Junior A champions last year and Stephen O'Brien is back for them now obviously the uh, the tip footballer and he's been in great form and just a quick mention then of the Junior A football quarterfinals that were on over the weekend Ballingarry received a walkover from Ross Gray and Anne Rovers Sean Tracy's beat Gurt and Hoogland Gould 411 to 1-4 Clarehan were 2-9 to 9 point winners over Kiladangan and Thurlis Sarsfields were 110 to 17 winners over Sullahead and then the Tom Cusack Cup semi-finals is the last of the GA that we can get through Drum uh, Drum and Inch gave a walk over to Killinall and then Rockwell Rovers beat Aero Ganacarthy 7-13 to 2-9 so it'll be a Killinall Rockwell final in the Tom Cusack Cup this year We're still crying in uh, Anacarthy over that um, the, the ladies football then Ladies football, yeah. See, it was the uh, county final that day yesterday, um, and there was a triple header in Bansha. We had the intermediate, the senior uh, A and senior B finals all on in Bansha, triple header. And I said to you last week, friend, that the uh, when we were looking forward to this weekend, that uh, this uh, senior ladies football final would be a, a build to be an entertaining affair. And the sides had met earlier in the year, and they drew level. Uh, it finished level that game, and there was red cards and there was late goals. That it kind of had it all. And uh, yesterday's final definitely lived up to it. Feathered one sixteen, Brian Bruce three nine, a one win, a one point win for Feathered, their first ever senior ladies football title, and there was just great scenes in Bancha. It's heartbreak for Brian Bruce. They lost last year's final narrowly to an Aherlow goal, 
and they were beaten in, in a, a last kick of the game again this year it was um, Brian Bruce were three points down with time up about two three minutes into injury time and a big high ball was lobbed in around the square and it was Trisha Hickey for Brian Bruce who fisted at home and it looked like all oh, feathered have, have thrown this away now they they were well up and now here Brian Bruce are after drawing level and it looked like um, it looked like injury time was the only way this was going to go or extra time I should say but uh, 15, 15 year old uh, Emily Cudahy ran up the field with the ball for feathered won a free and it was Kate Davy just about five yards outside the D. She had a free from the same position a few minutes before, and it, it was a well hit free, but just dropped short. So this was to win the county final about 35 yards out and uh, put it straight over the bar. That was the last kick of the game, wow. and Feather, Feathered won by a point. So it was just a, a great scenes for them and, and a great win for Feathered. Um, it was billed to be a great final, and, and it was a great final. And uh, I think Feathered's goal in the, uh, just before half time proved crucial. It was Nicole Delaney who got that um, after a great run by Heather Spillane, it must be said. And then the Bruise goals came from uh, Sarah English, Cueva Condon, and then uh, that Trisha Hickey goal, but it just wasn't enough for them uh, this year. But a, a great win for Feathered. Uh, the Senior B final was on before that. Clamel commercial was 111, Templemore 19. Um, it was a Sarah Ryan goal from a penalty for Clamel. That proved decisive there. And uh, Shona McBride with the late goal for Templemore. Then the intermediate football final. Mullinahone were last year's Junior A champions, and they are now this year's uh, County Intermediate champions. They beat Borlahan Duella 2 9 to 7 points. Um, there's sort of two straight promotions there. Key moments in this game was uh, Alice Browning and goals for Mullinahone made a great save from a uh, penalty in the second half when the sides were uh, very close there. And then Lorraine and Eva O'Shea got the uh, all-important goals for Mullinahone and Eva O'Shea scoring 1-3 there. So uh, th- that uh, was the first of the triple header there in, in Bansha. But uh, must be said, fair play to the uh, Tip Ladies uh, LGFA and CK Streaming with uh, Tomas Matthews and co for uh, streaming all the games this year. Uh, really good service and it's uh, all the games are on YouTube and I'd, I'd urge anyone to go on to YouTube um, CK Streaming's YouTube channel and, and watch the last few minutes of that feathered Brian Bruce game. Um, just, just serious entertainment there. Well done. I love the plug, Paul. Um, uh, rugby was back uh, the weekend as well. Rugby was back over the weekend, Fran, yeah, the AIL rugby, so the All-Ireland Leagues. Um, there's three Tipperary teams in it this year, the same three that were in it last year, so this is like the top five um, amateur rugby leagues in Ireland, um, or junior rugby, I should say, and it's... Uh, uh, t- Nina, Clonmel and Cashel are the three Tipperary teams involved uh, in Division 2A Nina got their new campaign up to a, a winning start they beat UL Bohemian away in Limerick uh, 20 points to 5 and uh, that UL Bohemian's team is actually managed by tip native Tommy O'Donnell and uh, he's involved with the management team there with uh, Ian Keatley, former Munster rugby player so good win there for Nina Cashel unfortunately were beaten by Navin 20 points to 19 last minute Navin tried to win that one and then in Division 2C, Clonmel got their season off to a winning start with an 18 points to 8 home win over Middleton. And finally, just Camogie then. Yeah, Camogie over the weekend. The intermediate uh, Camogie Championship group stages came to a conclusion. So there was uh, two games left to be played out. Killerone McDonough's were 2 11 to 8 point winners over Newport Ballinahinch. And Shannon Rovers had a big 6 14 to 2 6 win over Tumivara. Um, so that means uh, Bursa Lee topped the group in the Intermediate Championship so the uh, top four go straight through to the semi-finals so the semi-finals will be Bursa Lee versus Killerone McDonough's and Shannon Rovers versus Newport Balnehinch Alright, sadly I don't have time to look ahead but all the information tonight on Extra Time after 7 o'clock Paul, really good to talk to you today thanks Spot for your time friend. thank you and bye-bye Hello. to you that's our sports editor Paul Carroll from our Nina studio today we'll take a break and we'll talk all about travel in just a few moments time 
Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call TIP today on 1-800-938-007. Now, all throughout the day, we're announcing the shortlists um, where our wonderful competition is concerned, uh, the Best of TIP Awards. And uh, after 6 o'clock today on tipfm.com, you can uh, cast your votes. Now, uh, we're announcing very shortlists every hour. This hour, we're looking at hairdressers, first of all. And the shortlist there is Annie's Hair Salon in Clonmel, D Studio in Feathered, Hemera in Clonmel, John's Hair Salon in Templemore and Cool Cuts Hair Salon in Kilsheelan. And we're also looking at Ladies Boutiques. So the shortlist there in the wardrobe in Clonmel, Classy Lady in Care, Now Trading Depot in Clonmel and Ryan Design Boutique in Clonmel as well as Uptown Girl in Cashel. So there are a couple more of the shortlists and right throughout the day you'll be able to uh, hear more and of course you can uh, vote after 6 o'clock this evening. Time for Travel Tales with Fergal. Fergal O'Keefe with me in studio. Good morning to you Fergal. Good morning, great to see you. Uh, Good to see you again as well. First of all you're going to talk to us about Damien Brown. Will you just remind us about the man and what exactly he's doing? Yeah, so he's an amazing character. He's a proper Irish adventurer and I've talked on I've had him twice on my podcast Travel Tales with Fergal. He's one of the first guests and actually after this I'll put up a link on my Instagram and Twitter Travel Tales with Fergal uh, with that podcast if people want to remind themselves of him because he's a real adventurer. He was a rugby player like he played with Leinster and Connacht and in France and the UK and then after he gave up the professional rugby he started doing adventures like travelling you know doing things all over the world including like last year during Covid times he, he had an attempt on Everest actually but he got Covid on Everest. On Everest? On Everest. He had to go back down to Nepal and go through it and that was the time when, you know, when you'd really suffer yeah, with the Covid yeah. and then he went back up the mountain and he was just about to make his go for the top when um, one of his guides there were run out of guides he got Covid and he ended up not making but it was it was an epic adventure. Oh my so God. whatever Damien ever does it's always amazing like epic adventures and he's doing one at the moment so I, I, that's why I want to talk about it today yes. because He's he's been sailing since last June from New York, solo sailing, solo rowing across the Atlantic since last June. So he started in New York and the plan was to end up in Galway. And he was doing with another guy, his friend uh, Fergus Farrell. But after about 10 days, Fergus got very sick. So they had to wait for a passing tanker to take Fergus on board. So he was hoping to like go for a record. I think it was under 60 days. But Fergus left. It was quite a big boat that he had to row. So he's been doing it solo, which he wasn't planning since then. So he now today is on day 111. And it's been epic stuff because, you know, he's actually rowed the Atlantic solo before, but he went from the the Canaries over to the Caribbean and, you know, the tides suit them and the weather, etc. But this was much more epic because it was New York over the North Atlantic 
to Ireland and he's been you know like I said 111 days on his own he has you know sit so and this is a boat mm-hmm. that normally would need two people to yes host. exactly so it's a so big it, it was own. it was made especially for them so it's like a big boat like you know with a with little cabin in it where you go into at night time and but the it's 111 days because every time that there's like storms he has to put out this like power ankle and just wait because you know there's days that he would be rowing he's rowing for like some days could have been rowing for 15 hours and he might have gone minus three nautical miles because he's rowed he's just trying to row he's to rowing st- against the time exactly so you can imagine that for like so 11 it's like he hasn't met anybody he looks a bit like um, uh, Tom Hanks in Castaway at this stage and he's got a the big beard. huge beard and you know the ups and downs and you know like even at one stage he was saying like the boat was going much slower than he thought and he had a good weather spell so he jumped in got, like you'd be nervous watching the videos of this like he'd go in under the boat and there was all barnacles attached to the boat and he would be like cutting them off and he'd do little videos and he actually I'd recommend people to check his podcast actually it's called Deep Roots which is the first time anyone's ever done a podcast like going across the Atlantic and he sends it via satellite link every day so the reason why I'm bringing it up now is he's been 111 days in the sea but hopefully if all things go well he be, he's going to arrive at Galway and if anyone's around this area to go down to the harbour tomorrow in Galway so hopefully there'll be a, a, a flotilla of, of boats out by the around the Aran Islands to you're, welcome him in You're a bit of an adventurer yourself and you know a lot of people who are adventurers what, what drives somebody to do something like that Fergal? Yeah, well, I mean, Damien, like he has been going, I, I suppose you could say it's a bit of an addiction as well because yeah. he, he's going from one to the other because we talked before, like he did Everest and he he's, he's ran through the desert um, in the Middle East. So, I, you know, he's he was an extreme professional athlete, like, you know, so I suppose trying to get that bug since. But also, you know, he's developed it into, like, he's an amazing character and the reason why his one, for me anyway, kind of uh, really stands out is because he's a very philosophical uh, positive person so I, I've done talks with him before as well and so he's an amazing character about sort of the power of the mind about overcoming obstacles so after this I would say he'll be doing a lot of talks and companies so not only is an adventurer but he's sort of it's his career now out of it but he just goes from one into the other I remember we were talking before before he went on Everest he just had a baby he was said the baby was born, and I think oh it was about God. a day later he went up. He headed off to Nepal. He got a window, and he headed off to Nepal to do Everest. So. His partner must be delighted with him. <laughs> I know exactly. Imagine. He's been away yeah. a lot, but um, you know you could see it over the over this. Like you get emotional any time that he'd mention him, but he, you know, he, like the the things he's gone through over the last few months and that's why I said I'd like to mention it because in case people are, just happen to be anywhere near Galway he's planning to go there between 10 and 12 tomorrow and I'd say he'll get an amazing welcome you know because cause what he's so, done yeah. is, is just it's been, imagine 111 days on your own not known if you're going and to wh- get where will it. he row into in Galway so he's going to go so amazingly like he actually has been on off the Irish coast for about three or four days and he was like for the last few days. The the waves brought him west, and he actually has been. He saw like the Skelligs. So he's only he actually. And today I was just looking before I came on at his um, Instagram feed, and he actually people are now sending photos where they see him down in Kerry. So he's he saw Skellig Michael about three or four days ago. 
and the Brandon Mountains and the, imagine that and the coast but he was very emotional actually because he was being pushed down and he could have just sailed in you know into Kerry but he really wanted to because the whole thing was about starting and a lot of his sponsors are around the Galway yeah. so he really wanted so he's managed to go up the coast rowing against the current wow. so the H- plan is Human to beings can be absolutely incredible exactly inspirational we don't have a huge amount of time left but we do want to talk about some long haul holidays during the autumn why would you choose this time for long haul it is the perfect I would go if you're able to go travelling it's the perfect time of year like one you know last time I was on I was saying about how autumn is a great time because the you know the costs the weather is is, you know the the extreme heats that we were getting during the summer and uh, less crowded but also it's a lovely time to go away to other parts of the world particularly long haul to get more sun which is you know on a day like today so you get your summer sun in other parts of of the world and the cost from flying from this you know perversely if you're going long haul during the the summer say to to like Thailand and other places like that even if it's not the best time of year to go it's still the most expensive time of year to go so to go long haul it is definitely this is the time of year and you know last time I was on I was talking about like uh the post, uh, the post. I keep calling them on post, but the the post office and the, they do a kind of a survey of of um, the best value places to go to, and short haul was Greece, but long haul was Cape Town for value. South Africa. And you know, there, another reason I want to bring up today was because someone the other day just asked me. You know, they they had a big 50th birthday coming up, and they wanted to go somewhere special and where to go. So it got me thinking about it. And the first place I I thought of really was actually Cape Town, because time difference it's only I think like an hour ahead of us so from point of view of a flight you know if you if you go in the evening time you arrive in the morning so the jet lag isn't really an okay. issue yeah. and it's coming in now to the summer so I was there in like November time a few years ago and it was just gorgeous because it's still late 20s but it, so the weather you know it's coming into their summer and a gorgeous time of year and even you know if you're lucky with months with I suppose the URC might get a rugby game as well, you mm. know. Mm. But it's a lovely time of year to go. It's around a ten-hour flight from the UK to go to Cape Town, so it's it, it's manageable. So it certainly is indeed. Where, where else should we look yeah, at so in terms a, of long haul? Yeah, so there's loads of places. I mean, you know, another one I would really recommend for people is Sharm El Sheikh in Egypt, and it's sort of like a separate, nearly like a separate area to the level of it's like a you know if you go to other parts of like if you want to fight to Cairo, you'd need a visa, whereas you don't need a visa to go in to Sharm El Sheikh which is on the Red Sea and there you know it's a perfect time of year again the weather is like late 20s you know gorgeous like summer in Ireland but for them it's much cooler but it's a lovely little area and if you're into uh, which I was into scuba diving it's the perfect place to go so you've been obviously mm. yeah and, and I went there for, for scuba diving you know I, I learned actually in Ireland but you know it's so gorgeous there like the Red Sea you know it, it's spectacular and even if you're not into scuba diving you know the snorkeling there is excellent and the you know all the hotels all that you know I stayed at the time I was there in the Hyatt all the main hotel chains are there but they're done really well mm. and they're all along the coast and it's very reasonably priced right. and it's very well, safe. Is, is there Egyptian culture is a very yes. obvious thing. So oh yeah there is yeah. so there's yeah. a town there and it, it has that culture you know not as much as others I mean if you really wanted the Egyptian culture I would say now is a great time to go to actually go to Cairo right. and there's direct flights now from Dublin on Egypt there to go to Cairo and you know it, that from the point of view of the culture there that would be And have you been there as well? No I haven't no. it's, it's yeah. on my to-do list but I would love that love you know that too, yeah. wouldn't it 
I mean, yeah. it would be spectacular. So this is the time of year, again, to go to somewhere like that. But Charmel check and even to learn. If you want to learn to go scuba diving, you can do your paddy courses and stuff there and it would be a really spectacular place to go to, I have to say. Sounds great indeed. Do you want to talk to us a little bit about Thailand as well? Yeah, so again, Thailand, you know, during the summer, you know, it's the rainy season. So now is the coming into the perfect time of year to go to Thailand from the point of view of weather and costs as well it's not as busy but the weather is actually perfect it's actually quite you know it's rainy season during our summertime so now's the time to go and there's two parts of Thailand you know just say if you're going now if you decided I want to go long haul I would really recommend Thailand to go into Bangkok then to go down to the islands and there's two sides you know on the west coast you've got Krabi so around between now and Christmas Krabi that area there is absolutely gorgeous you know those limestone cliffs that mm. you remember that movie the beach that kind mm. of so around there between now and Christmas that side the west coast is perfect from the weather point of view and then if you decided to go say the time I was there was in January and you go over on the east coast side because it's a little peninsula down in Thailand that goes down the east coast side is like Koh Samui Koh Penang Koh Tao all of those areas and Koh Tao actually is another great area for diving so that's after Christmas around the, the January time so it's a perfect time to go to there Sounds delicious you also advise places like Bali in Indonesia Marrakesh and yeah. uh, possibly Mauritius as well yeah. yeah so all of those areas all yeah. around the Indian Ocean and all that areas now it's the perfect time you know and yeah. the great thing is is you know you get great value as well it's great isn't it what, what about the latest where where the podcast are concerned yeah so I, I have i said i'm going to put it up again today on, on, on my instagram yes. and twitter and my feeds the damien brown one because uh, he goes through all his previous travels it was one of my first ones that i ever did and i brought him back for the for the everest one but i'll put up that first one for people if they want to get to know a little bit about him because i'm sure tomorrow on the news and to follow him actually owlstock is his his name his handle like on instagram owlstock owlstock Exactly. And yeah. Deep Roots is his podcast. So I would just recommend people to check that today because, um, you know, we don't have too many Irish adventurers. Like, and he really is, the, he'll be the first guy to have rode both ways. Like, he, he'll have gone both directions across the Atlantic. So, you know, I'd love to see, like, great sport for him, actually. Oh, He's done so much. Yeah, absolutely. Fergal, always good to see you. Thanks very much indeed. Fergal O'Keefe there of Travel Tales with uh, Fergal. That wraps up the show for today. Thanks to Ellie who looked after everything uh, today and uh, don't forget right throughout the day we have those shortlists in the Tip FM uh, Best of Tip Awards. And that's it for me. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Look after yourselves. Bye-bye. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.